忘了怎么沟通，甚至忘了怎么写字。我没法打字的话，就没有办法解释。我对着电脑，而昼夜开始颠倒。我活在视窗里，仿佛永远不会变老。我不需要痔疮，只是屁股偶尔会长痔疮。滑鼠是我的翅膀，在虚拟的世界里，我戴上面具。Alright, guys, here we go. It is 12:07 p.m. here on Saturday, February 4th, 2023. Hope everybody's having a great week. BK here, coming at you. San Diego, California, unbelievable day outside right now. Check out my Instagram and send me stories there at BK Actual, and also look at that Twitter account for breaking news throughout the week at Bravo Kilo Actual. Yeah, like I said, beautiful day out here in Southern California. I feel sorry for all of you who do not live here. It is integral for me to live here, of course, keeping up the bronzed tan skin, a color not found anywhere else in. Nature, as you know, as we go ahead and kick it off. And what are we starting with? All the music might have given you a clue. We're gonna talk about the Chaicom spy balloon. I actually had a lot of prep on this, but now the story was just breaking as I come to you that we have finally fucking roused ourselves from our comatose state and eliminated the peer adversary's spy device hovering over the entire country. Oh, and I already see, I already see the resistance on Twitter going, oh, look at how macho Joe is. All you MAGA tards who thought he wouldn't do anything. And I'm like, uh, yeah, thanks. First of all, I'm getting ahead of myself a little bit, but first of all, not only did they try to hide the fact that the balloon was here at all, they were hoping you didn't notice. Yeah. They plan to the Pentagon plan to not say anything until the stupid media, and I say stupid media according to the Pentagon, uh, ran a story saying, "Hey, what's that big fucking white thing hovering above our skies?" They weren't going to tell you. They were hoping none of you would even notice, and they weren't going to do shit. Obviously, and then he wants credit for shooting it down. After it leisurely traversed the entire country, checking out our bases and our missile silos, and I know, I know what you're going to say, BK. They already have satellites that can do that. I'm going to get into that in a second. So, be like me, hold your fire. I didn't just hold my fire, but I'm just, sorry, guys. Literally, I was just on Twitter looking for updates like 30 seconds before I hit record. So, I already saw them doing the victory lap, which is hilarious. So, let's get into it though. You're going to know more about balloons and balloon spying by the end of this segment than you ever cared to know. But yes, we did shoot down the Chinese spy balloon. It spent a week traversing the country, five days if you want to be specific. But it traveled in a diagonal southeast route from Idaho to the Carolinas, moved off the coast by midday, and was over the Atlantic Ocean. And、uh, Biden did hint at the move earlier on Saturday. He said, "Quote: We're going to take care of it." End quote. That was his gasping voice as his aides hustled him away. But the president had been、uh, discussing military options with the Pentagon since Tuesday, when he was alerted by the Pentagon that a spy balloon had entered the continental American airspace near Idaho. By Wednesday, the balloon was hovering over Montana. And as I pointed out, you guys, we caught the Chinese communists lying twice. First of all, they said, "Oh no, that's just to control the weather." Which was a lie. It was not a weather balloon. And then they said, "Oh, it drifted off course. We sorry." Which was another lie, because it does have steering equipment. So that was a total lie. So 
first of all, the military initially said, no, no, we can't shoot down the balloon because, you know, it's fucking really scary because of all those people on the ground in Montana and Idaho. That was another lie. That was a face-saving excuse. There was never any danger from that. They just didn't want it. Again, if you, if, it all makes sense if you realize they were hoping you wouldn't notice and they were never going to tell you. But after it came out in the media in Montana, it escalated in this huge diplomatic crisis. Indeed, uh, Secretary of State Antony Blinken canceled his planned trip to China. And there was a bunch of senior U.S. officials calling their Chinese counterparts saying what the hell is going on. Uh, by the way, that trip by Blinken to China, that trip would have been the first by a Biden cabinet secretary to China. Yeah, here we go. The Chinese foreign ministry had said the balloon was a civilian machine that entered U.S. airspace by accident and maintained that it was a weather balloon that strayed far off course. And even hapless, bumbling Blinken said the incident was, quote, a clear violation of U.S. sovereignty and international law, end quote. And, and okay, I, got you. I know I'm blurting out my opinions on this before I get to you to the facts, but I can't help it. Um, yeah, and, and that's the thing. Everybody's like, well, you know, what's this going to do, shooting it down? That would be an escalation. I'm like, well, first of all, China, they started this shit. Okay, and people are like, their balloon, they're spying on us in our airspace. We're the great military superpower, aren't we? We cannot let this happen. At the end of the day, it's a face-saving measure. And China, of course, is keeping tabs on our media. I'm sure they knew immediately they've been detected, so there was nothing more to gain from counter-spying on the balloon because once it's detected and all the planes go up there, they're not going to be sending any photographs or anything from that balloon. So at that point, there's no point monitoring it you might as well get rid of it. And you have to send a message. The rest of the friggin' world is watching. You're going to let a peer adversary fly a fucking spy balloon, rubbing it in our face, and you're not going to do anything. And they really acted like it was no big deal. I couldn't believe it. Imagine if that was a balloon from Russia. The same resistance would be screaming to shoot it down, and they'd be correct. But, of course, they don't do that. Uh, it began, uh, the balloon did, its controlled drift into American territory on January 28th when it entered Alaskan airspace near the Aleutian Islands. Okay? And, again, we did nothing, and they hoped you wouldn't notice. Defense officials said that China has spy balloons orbiting around the world at 60,000 feet at any given time, and that balloons occasionally stray into American territory. Spy balloons from China and other adversaries are sometimes categorized by the Pentagon as unidentified aerial phenomenon. Or uh, the same category as UFOs. So it exited American territory on Monday, carrying its solar panels for propulsion and its cameras and surveillance equipment. Well, the next day it was back, and it entered the continental U.S. over Idaho. That was a surprise to officials at the Northern Command as well as the Pentagon. And then by Wednesday, the balloon had made its way to the skies above Billings, Montana, which alarmed Pentagon officials because the state is home to the 341st Missile Wing at Malmstrom Air Force Base, one of three U.S. Air Force bases that operate and maintain intercontinental ballistic missiles. One Pentagon official described shock at what officials viewed as a blatant and poorly concealed effort at spying. Well, this was on purpose. They wanted to see what our reaction would be. And again, I'll go back to it. 
Oh, BK, they have satellites. They've seen that missile base a hundred times. You just, yeah, but you cannot have this. That's what I'm trying to tell these losers on social media. You cannot have this if you want to portray yourself as the world's great military superpower. And you cannot allow a foreign country to have spy, uh, spy balloons over your fucking continental United States. You just can't have it. I can't say that any clearly. Uh, okay. Uh, but Well, I did have the rest of these uh, tabs up, so let me get to this. Um, spy balloon, Blinken cancels China trip. Uh, what else? Um, you know, they, they've been warning about this for a while. There was a classified report to Congress last month that outlined incidents of American adversaries potentially using advanced aerial technology to spy on the country. I know what you're thinking. Balloons? Advanced aerial technology? Get to that in a minute. Uh, but they did, that report, discuss at least two incidents of a rival power conducting aerial surveillance with what appeared to be unknown cutting-edge technology. But they didn't attribute the incidents, or attribute, if you will, to any one country, but two American officials familiar with research said that surveillance probably was conducted by China. Uh, so, many countries use aerial spying technology to gather data on rival nations, but uh, as you can see, it can lead to diplomatic crises. Interesting, some facts here. Um, China spends about $209 billion U.S., or about 1.3% of its gross domestic product on its military overall. But it's not so much the money that they're spending. It's the investment in technologies that they are researching that could have intelligence, military, artificial intelligence applications. And U.S. Defense, U.S. defense officials believe China is conducting surveillance of military training grounds and exercises as part of an effort to better understand how America trains its pilots and undertakes complex military operation. <laughs> and uh, they did, the report mentioned two bases, Naval Air Station Fallon in Nevada and Marine Corps Air Station Iwakuni in Japan as sites where foreign surveillance was believed to occur. Uh, what else, though? There is a fascinating uh, article about that report in the New York Times. Uh, if you want to check it out, it's called Classified U.S. Report Highlights Foreign Power Aerial Spying. So go look at that one. I already talked to you. Biden will try to shoot down that satellite, which he did finally as after his aides woke him up from his fucking pudding cup nap. So everybody's like, well, why, why balloons? Well, balloons have been around for centuries, uh, including the earliest military application of a balloon is often credited to Zhuge Liang, a well-known war strategist in dynastic China. That was in the third century, and he used kerosene-doused cloth to propel a sky lantern that alerted allies in neighboring cities of a looming attack. Uh, balloons were the technology advanced. They were used increasingly for recon missions during wars in the 19th and early 20th centuries, particular during the Cold War. Yes, the advent of satellites and drones have rendered spy balloons mostly obsolete. Uh, but, again, this isn't the first time in recent history that a balloon from China has been spotted. As a matter of fact, it happened in Taiwan as well last February, a year ago. 
Authorities in Taiwan said they discovered weather balloons deployed by the Chinese People's Liberation Army floating above the self-governing island China claims as its territory. China has been developing new balloon surveillance technology for years, but they're not the only one to do so. And I'll get to that in a moment because the Pentagon uh, was reported to, uh, there was a report last made by Politico. And they said that the Pentagon spent around $3.8 million on balloon projects over the past two years and planned to spend more than $27 million on the inflatable technology in just fiscal year 2023. Now that's a drop in the bucket, but still, the big question, why use balloons when satellites exist? Well, there's some operational advantages. For one, balloons can weather extreme conditions. They are far less expensive to deploy and operate compared to satellites. That's pretty much the big one is cost. Um, but they can also be used as a platform, right? And I mean, and who knows? You let this one slide. What's the next balloon going to have in it? I mean, China, have they fucking apologized to the world yet? over releasing the friggin' COVID-19 pandemic on on us and everybody else? Have they apologized for that? No, they haven't. So I don't want to hear about like, oh, we didn't mean to. What else could they put on that balloon? Biological weapon, nerve agents, missiles, anything else? ISR, data link nodes? And they don't have predictable orbits of satellites. So it's, uh, again, the cost is a big one. And, you know, it, it, and like, you know, they don't seem to be that hard to find. I mean, they were visible to the naked eye. You guys all saw the, the uh, videos on social media and all that stuff. Uh, but that is the deal. Let me get to that, what I was going to say here about the money we're spending on balloons. These balloons fly at between 60,000 and 90,000 feet. And that was another problem for us initially. They were like, all these people were like, oh, it's flying at 100,000 feet. How are you going to take that down? I'm like, don't be absurd. Of course we can take it down. This one, they said, eventually, the Pentagon spokesman, I'll have clips on from him in a moment, came out and said it was about 60,000 feet. But the Pentagon, our Pentagon, likes these balloons because it can be added to a big surveillance network. You can track all kinds of weapons, including ICBMs, um, hypersonic missiles. And they have a lot of benefit, according to some ICBM guys. These high-altitude platforms, are, are in, they can hang around a certain place. They're very maneuverable and, again, flexible for multiple different kinds of payloads. Okay, and then finally about balloons, I thought you guys would enjoy this. How about a brief history of spying with balloons? That's right. You're going to learn a lot. Both sides deployed balloons in the U.S. Civil War. The Confederate and Union armies used tethered balloons to observe troop movements. As a matter of fact, that reminds me, you know, I worked that event with Gwen Stefani a few a month or so ago, a couple months back, you guys remember? Uh, at the, it was a big concert in San Diego. And, of course, you can't have an outdoor concert anymore without massive amounts of surveillance. And Homeland Security was there. And, anyway, I'm behind the scenes. I'm talking to the Homeland Security guys. And they showed me their tethered drone. So they have this drone that just stays in the air the whole time. But it's tethered. It's not free operating. And the tether provides power to the drone so it can stay up indefinitely, right? And it's this big, like, fucking, imagine, like, a big generator, and it's got all this this big thick cord coming out of it with all the wires in it running power and then the uh, the, the the data cables, 
and it's running up to the drone and they park the drone at, I don't know, 200 feet, something like that. And, uh, that way they can just keep an eye on the whole thing. So that they're in a way, the technology has advanced, but it's the still same idea. You put that thing up on a tether and you can use it pretty much indefinitely. Uh, the union had a better balloon resources than the Confederates. They actually had a boat to which a balloon was tethered in what amounted to an early version of an aircraft carrier. But by mid-war, both sides basically gave up on balloons because they had a lot of logistical challenges. The technology was not that great. So, um, yeah, balloon operators in World War I were early adopters of the parachute. The balloons were filled with hydrogen during World War I, and they would help direct artillery fire, spot troop movements, and balloons became a prize target of the enemy. I actually read some book. I can't remember what the book was. It was, it was fiction. But the dude was a, uh, he was one of these balloon scouts in World War One, and apparently that was a popular target. It was like historical fiction. Like, they used to shoot at them all the time. So those guys did not have a very long life expectancy. Enemy fire could cause a balloon to explode. Therefore, it would force American balloon observers who saw an attack coming to jump out. They were among the early adopters of parachutes. Silk parachutes were attached to the side of the balloon basket in cone-shaped devices. After jumping over the side of the basket, the observer's weight would cause the parachute to come out as they descended. And this, mil- this World War I historian the New York Times talks about who says some observers had to jump two or three times in a single day. Because again, they see that balloon goes up and all the fire goes right to the balloon. Um, Japan sent 9,000 balloons with bombs over the U.S. in World War II. The only people, how about this fact... The only people to die in an attack on the continental United States during World War II were six people who encountered a Japanese balloon bomb known as Fugo during a picnic in Oregon in May 1945. The victims were Elsie Mitchell and five children from a Sunday school class, and they were killed when they found the bomb and it exploded. But from November 1944 to April 1945, Japan launched around 9,000 balloons carrying bombs to travel more than 6,000 miles across the Pacific Ocean to the United States. There were 285 balloons found in states, including Michigan, Wyoming, and Texas. Hmm. On D-Day, the 320th Barrage Balloon Battalion, the Triple B, an African-American unit, became the first Barrage Balloon Battalion to land in France. Uh, but barrage balloons were large, unmanned, tethered balloons whose cables created a hazard for aircraft, and so that kind of knocked that out. American surveillance balloons uh, equipped with infrared and color video cameras known as aerostats were a constant presence in Afghanistan during the war. Uh, you guys also, if you've ever been to Iraq and Baghdad in the, near the embassy, you've probably seen the balloons flying up above them. They're used, uh, they were used extensively in Iraq. They've also been used to monitor the U.S.'s southern border. So we can just watch the illegal immigrants as they walk across the border and then collect all the taxpayer benefits <laughs> of more migration in a moment. Um, video from one of the surveillance balloons was used in the trial of Robert Bales. Who is Robert Bales? that name ring a bell, all you veterans? He is the soldier that killed 16 Afghan civilians, most of whom were women and children, in March of 2012. 
The video showed Bales as he returned to a military outpost in the Kandahar province after the attack and was arrested by other soldiers. So there you go. And now to the audio clips. Uh, let's talk. Let's uh, this this Pentagon. Who is this fucking Air Force guy? This Pentagon spokesman. He he had he had some beauties. Uh, first, here's a reporter saying, "Well, um, hey, doesn't the public have a right to know where the balloon is?" Because he came out and said, "Well, we're not going to give you an a, an hour by hour update on this." Let's listen to how this goes. The position of the balloon classified. Uh, Phil, right now, uh, what we're not going to do is get into a hour-by-hour location of the balloon. Again, we're monitoring it closely. Uh, As I mentioned right now, it's over the center of the continental United States. That's about as specific as I'm going to get. I understand I'm being convenient, but does the public not have a right to know? Uh, The the public certainly has the ability to look up in the sky and and see where the balloon is. Oh, thanks. Thanks for that, General. Um, You know, also, I want to point out that he uses a common, like, fucking speaking tactic when you're faced with an adver- adversarial person in this case, especially politicians do this a lot with a hostile press what you do is you call them by your name right you hear him say well let me tell you phil because then then the reporter subliminally is like wow he knows my name he likes me and so then they're they kind of soft pedal their questions a little bit it's the fucking oldest trick in the book don't fall for it media here's a reporter saying well why haven't you why didn't you take this down this was at the time before the uh Balloon was taken down. Let's listen to this one. There we go. Get the microphone to the journalist. Here we go. Uh, You said that this is uh, violating our airspace, so why not take it down? Yeah, so, uh, you know, clearly as we assess options um, and considering the the size of the payload on this, uh, looking at the potential for debris uh, and the impact on civilians on the ground or property damage, Again, uh, running through the the various factors and looking at uh, in terms of right, does it pose various factors, potential risk yeah. uh, to people while in the air. And right now, as I mentioned, we, we assess that it does not pose a risk to people on the ground as it currently is traversing the continental United States. Okay. And so out of an abundance of caution, abundance uh, of cognizant caution. of the potential impact to civilians on the ground, uh, from a debris field, uh, right now we're going to continue to monitor and review options. And if I may, you mentioned that we've seen this kind of activity before, so why are we sharing this? Oh, okay, the video cut off right there. I would like to heard that next question, Twitter. Uh, yeah, again, there was no civilians on the ground. Aleutian Islands, fucking northern Idaho, northwestern Montana. Get out of here with that. And you know what? Fucking shit happens. Light that shit up. You tell everybody, like, hey... Fucking 10-minute warning. Everybody get inside or at least look up and watch out for falling debris. We're going to shoot this Chicom shit out of the sky. Is that all I have? That's really all I have. The shooting down the balloon kind of ruined my whole intro. But there you go. Balloonish crisis averted. (laughs) All the information securely sent already to China. And, uh, yeah, we just, uh, I don't know. I, I can't, the military confuses me sometimes. They're where their priorities are. I know you guys have seen the memes on Instagram where it's like the fucking Pentagon when a uh, Chi-Com spice balloon is drifting over the United States. They're, like, dozing away. Oh, no big deal, but God damn you if you don't get a vaccine. That's right. They'll come after you with everything they got. So... That's the end. But we had fun with the balloon. And I did also like the people uh, calling on the good people of Montana, Idaho, 
all of my beloved rednecks to shoot their guns at it. Uh, unfortunately, it was far too high for any weapon to reach, but I like the spirit behind it. All right, guys, so that's your balloon update. Let's go with our international news here. Let's talk about Chile. They have a bunch of fires burning across the country. At least 13 people have been reported dead as a result of more than 150 wildfires burning across the country. They've destroyed homes and thousands of acres of forest while Chile is in the midst of this heat wave. President Gabriel Boric. Is it Boric or Boric? It's a, usually, if I see that, it's a Slavic name, B-O-R-I-C. That's usually pronounced Boric, but... It is Chile, so I, I can't say. He suspended his vacation. He instead traveled to the effective areas on Friday. Uh, he did say there was evidence that some fires had been caused by unauthorized burnings. Hmm. He said, quote, The full force of the state will be deployed to, first of all, fight the fires and to accompany all the victims' homes. End quote. As of midday Friday, the fires have blazed through nearly 35,000 acres and 65 fires were declared under control. It is unclear how many homes and other structures have been burned. Most of the wildfires were in the Biobio region and the neighboring Nuble region where the government has declared a state of catastrophe not emergency, catastrophe. That is a designation that allows greater coordination with the military. Oh, and the suspension of certain constitutional rights. Really? All right. Uh, the heat wave hitting Chile is expected to continue. They have high temperatures and strong winds, similar to our Santa Ana winds here in SoCal. But yeah, one forest alone has seen 35,000 acres completely destroyed. Oof. Uh, burnt, oh, I'm looking at the pictures here. Man, it just looks like... It looks like California did back when we had the really bad fires. Like the Paradise Fire, where all those people died. It kind of looks like that. So, sad stuff there. Let's go to Pakistan. Yeah, bombing there. You guys see the mosque bombing? Unbelievable, dude. Fucking 101 people killed. That was a suicide bomb. It was in the northwestern Pakistani city of Peshawar. And yeah, it hit a mosque in a supposedly secure sector of the city. Yeah, this uh, kind of is an unfortunate flashback for Pakistan because 10 years ago, Peshawar became synonymous with the wreckage of a militant campaign that they say changed a nation. In the years after 2015... When Pakistani Taliban fighters and other militants were mostly pushed out of the region, many into Afghanistan right next door, the people of Peshawar thought that the days of random terrorist attacks were gone. But yeah, Tuesday, emergency responders were pulling body after body from the rubble. This bombing was one of the bloodiest suicide attacks to hit Pakistan in years. Besides the 101 people killed, they're saying 217 were wounded. Many of the casualties were police officers and government employees who had gone to pray at the mosque. It is in a heavily guarded neighborhood. It is near several important government and military buildings. So now they're looking at this attack as evidence that the Pakistani Taliban, who one faction did claim responsibility, is regaining strength because they've been safely protected in Afghanistan under the Taliban's government. Uh, so 
Pretty brutal looking at pictures of this one, too. For most of the past 40 years, if you didn't know, Peshawar has suffered from the conflicts in the region. In the 1980s, Peshawar was a staging ground for fighters struggling against the Soviet-backed Afghan government. And then after we, the U.S., toppled the Taliban regime in 2001, thousands of Taliban fighters and Al-Qaeda members took refuge in these tribal areas along the border. And for years, Taliban leaders recruited Pakistanis who much like the Afghan Taliban, were ethnically Pashtun while the Pakistani military authorities tried to drive the militants out. So by 2007, they had this network of militants that had created their own leadership and they formed the Pakistani Taliban, known as tariq a taliban Pakistan or TTP. That group quickly emerged as one of Pakistan's deadliest militant organizations. In one of the group's largest attacks in December of 2014, Taliban militants killed 147 students and teachers at an army-run public school. That made the Pakistani military go, fucking hell no, and they went brutal, and they managed to flush most of those TTP fighters back into Afghanistan. So when the Taliban took over Kabul, the Afghan Taliban, in August of 2021, Pakistani officials were hopeful that after years of kind of, you know, on the sly supporting the TTP, the new government would help rein them in. So far, that has not happened. The Afghan Taliban has refused to lean on the TTP, according to ad analysts, instead insisting Pakistan address their grievances. So they're holding all these talks, and in the middle of those talks, the Pakistani Taliban are able to regroup. Yep. Uh, they're being ex there's extortion. That's, that's the big game with the terrorist groups. They're, they have all these wealthy businessmen and representatives, doctors. They get these anonymous phone calls made from Afghanistan, demanding they, demanding they either pay hefty extortion sums or get the hell out of town. Yeah, plus... Also, Pakistan is undergoing that political upheaval. You guys know if you've been listening, I've talked about the you know the old prime minister and how he got booted out, went through that whole shit show. Plus, they're having economic problems as well. So, yes, very good. Not uh, not a great time to be up in Peshawar. Probably more shit is going to happen anytime. A uh, quick uh, recap. I talked to you last week about that uh, ISIS leader we waxed in Somalia. And that guy's name was Bilal al-Sudani. So they had a little bit of an article about this guy with new information. Because he has ties to the Kabul bombing and they kind of went into more deep detail about that. So analysts started digging into him and they realized that al-Sudani oversaw this long sprawling ISIS financial and logistical network across Africa, Europe, and Afghanistan that directly led to that. Indeed, his newly revealed role was as a financier for the ISIS branch responsible for the death of 13 U.S. service members at Hamid Karzai International Airport. That is really what made him go to the top ranks of the U.S. counterterrorism must-kill list. 
So last week, Commandos, and it does turn out, it was, uh, we speculated last week who the soft team was, and they said that usually in Africa it's DevGrew. It was DevGrew. It was SEAL Team 6. They killed him in that early morning helicopter-to-ground raid in that remote cave complex in northern Somalia. Fascinating story, though, here about all this money, man. The Sudani was based in Somalia, but he coordinated trainers and funding for Islamic State affiliates in Afghanistan, Democratic Republic of Congo, Mozambique, South Africa. And it's just fascinating to me, this like trail of money and electronic communications. And this is why you have things like the NSA and CIA trying to track all this shit. And you can imagine how, how difficult that is. So there will just be another guy to take his place. But uh, it is a... It is a still a good kill, though. Under intense military pressure by the U.S. and our allies, the Islamic State's leadership in Iraq and Syria has faced significant resource constraints in recent years, and they're talking about financial resources. So that led ISIS to direct their affiliates to pursue financial self-sufficiency, franchise, if you will, as several offices, if you want to call them that, coordinated revenue generation and money laundering between affiliates and networks within regions rather than money flowing from Iraq and Syria to branches around the world. So ISIS has long attempted to expand their influence in Africa. They have those big operations in areas where the government can't really get to them. You know, Africa is a fucking huge place. You guys have heard many stories throughout the years listening to podcasts of you know, Boko Haram and all these guys doing all these killing of civilians, kidnapping civilians for money, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, here we go. Treasury Department said last March that ISIS branches in Africa were relying on local fundraising schemes instead of relying on the, you know, for lack of a better term, the mothership, such as theft, extortion, and kidnapping for ransom. Now, Somalia is known widely as a sanctuary for al-Shabaab. That is a terrorist group linked to Al-Qaeda. But the ISIS branch in Somalia has played a big role in the global terrorist organization despite having only 200 to 280 fighters estimated. But yeah, they have they coordinate these oper operations in, in, like I said, South Africa, Mozambique, Democratic Republic of Congo... And et cetera, et cetera. So, just I, I'm, I'm. It's not really a news story per se. I'm just fascinated by like all, all the money trail. Let's move on to Israel. This was uh, <laughs> kind of an amusing story. All right, uh, you guys have heard of the American Bar Association, right? It's it's the the lawyers lobbying group, but it's a big, it's a huge influence on policy, right? They 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 talk about Supreme Court nominees, for example. Well, Israel has the same thing. It's called the Israel Bar Association, and they have a chief. The head of the Israel, Israel Bar Association is named Avi Himi. Well, Avi Himi has just announced his resignation, and now police announced this week they will examine an accusation of sexual indecency against him hours after he announced it. So the announcement of his resignation came less than 24 hours after local news revealed that Himi had exposed himself to a female lawyer. The report said the incident took place during a Zoom call 
with the lawyer who had asked Hemi to support her appointment as a judge. So, okay, how is this real? The story moves on to follow. After notifying her that he had sent a letter recommending her promotion, the senior lawyer allegedly took his pants off and started pleasuring himself. (laughs) What are you thinking? His accuser has not revealed her identity, but she insisted that she did not consent to Hemi masturbating in front of her. The Times of Israel actually has a grammatical, grammatically incorrect sentence here. The Times of Israel writes, quote, insisted on Tuesday that she did not consent to Hemi masturbating in front of him. So I think that should have been in front of her, yes? But um, Hemi is defending himself. And he, oh, here we go. So Hemi is married. He has a wife and kids, right? Well, he did acknowledge having carried on an, quote, intimate, end quote, relationship with his accuser several years ago. Hmm. He rejected the characterization of his conduct as indecent. Well, is there any video for this? Because I can see, like, you know, maybe it's a scorned lover. And she's like, I mean, how can you prove that? But he did re- he did resign, like, immediately. So, <laughs> I don't know, man. I just It's hard for me to believe. I've done so many stories on this. Dude's doing crazy shit that I I definitely believe a man is capable of this impulsive sexual behavior because I've just done too many to count. I've lost count hundreds, but I don't, I just hard. It's hard to believe, you know, you're like this very accomplished, successful guy and you're going to destroy your career because you can't wait to hang up on the zoom call before you jack it. Just, I, I, I will never be not fascinated with men's urges. I mean, we all have urges. I have urges. But, like, a grown-up, I take care of my urges behind closed doors, like a normal person. So, let's go to Brazil. Brazil has an old warship down there. And, as a matter of fact, it's an aircraft carrier. Well, the Brazilian Navy said on Friday evening they had begun an operation to sink the decommissioned aircraft carrier called the Sao Paulo. But a lot of people were objecting because the Sao Paulo is packed with asbestos and other toxic materials. It is about 220 miles off the country's northern northeastern coast. That is where they want to scuttle it. A Navy news release did not give details of the operation, and it isn't clear whether the ship has gone down yet or not. But the carrier had spent months at sea because it was refused permission to dock back in Brazil after plans to recycle the ship in Turkey collapsed. So environmental groups accused Brazilian officials and the company that owned the ship hmm, of underreporting the amount of hazardous material aboard it. So under pressure from environmental groups, Turkey canceled permission for the Sao Paulo to dock after the ship had already reached Gibraltar. The vessel was forced to head back to Brazil where it was refused permission to dock by civilian officials. Okay, I don't understand any of this. First of all, they say um, they say the company that owned the ship. So is this, this is was this decommissioned and then sold to a private party? And then 
Is that why the civilian officials can tell them they can't dock there? And then the Brazilian Navy also refused to offer their bases, so the ship spent months being towed in circles as the condition of the ship deteriorated, including deteriorating hull buoyancy conditions. So they said this thing could spontaneously fucking sink to the bottom at any time. This is a 30,000-ton carrier. And they're going to sink it at a spot three miles deep outside any environmentally protected zones. Um, I'm just interested because they, they don't really, this is a rare New York Times story that doesn't answer a lot of the questions I have. Hmm. Yeah, it doesn't say. Uh, like, it It, it doesn't say, like, is, did the Navy sell it to be? Here's another tab. Let me just quickly open this one and see if... Uh, it answers any questions. So it is an older aircraft carrier. It was once the Navy's flagship. But the Brazilian Navy are the ones who were saying that they would sink the ship. So they wouldn't let them dock, but they're taking response to... Oh, here we go. I had to click open the other tab. Here's why. A Turkish company bought the ship for just over $1.8 million U.S. in an auction in 2021. Oh, how about you can buy an aircraft carrier for 1.8 million? Shit, you yacht owners in the US. I mean, it sounded like it was kind of a dump though. The Turkish company's goal was to recycle the vessel, disposing of any waste responsibility responsibly while making a profit salvaging and selling the tons of non-toxic metals it contained. But then that Turkish company's plans were met with protests because the environmental group said the ship was carrying a lot more dangerous material. Uh, than the company had disclosed. The It's an 873-foot vessel. It served in the French Navy under the name Foch, F-O-C-H, from 1963 until it was sold in 2000, and it, so it hadn't been in service for roughly a decade. Some of its compartments had accumulated so much dangerous gas that it was now unsafe to enter them. <laughs> uh, that's good. They said there was the French authorities reported 45 tons of asbestos aboard the ship, but an environmental groups said that evidence that it contained much more. So it sounds like they just said fuck it, and uh, they're sinking it. All right, let's go back over to Israel for a second. This is, story is a little bit old, but I, I do want to mention it because a lot of you guys sent this to me, and it was about those drone attacks on the Iranian facility that was all over Instagram and shit like that. So just, just briefly, it was a drone attack. It was on an Iranian military facility. It did result in a large explosion in the center of the city of Isfahan, and it was last Saturday. Senior intelligence officials who are familiar with the dialogue between Israel and the U.S. about the incident did say it was the work of the Mossad, of course, Israel's intelligence agency. The facility's purpose was not clear, and neither is how much damage the strike caused. But Isfahan is a major center of missile production, research, and development for Iran, including the assembly of many of its Shahab medium-range missiles, which can reach Israel and beyond. Well, you guys remember weeks ago, I, t I covered this briefly. American officials publicly identified Iran as the primary supplier of drones to Russia for use in the war in Ukraine. And they said they believed Russia was also trying to obtain Iranian missiles to use in the conflict. However, U.S. officials say they believe this strike was prompted by Israel's concerns about its own security, not the potential for missile exports 
to Russia. And American officials, by the way, quickly sent out work the next day that the U.S. was not responsible for the attack. One official confirmed that the attack had been conducted by Israel but did not have details about it. Sometimes Israel does give us the U.S. advance warning of an attack or informs American officials as an operation is being launched, but sometimes they don't. So, Isfahan, by the way, is the site of four small nuclear research facilities, all supplied by China many years ago. This facility that was struck was in the middle of the city and did not appear to be nuclear-related. So, thank you for the video you guys all sent me. What else do we have? Uh, let's go to this one. Who is Eunice Dwum for? I'd never heard of her. She is the New Jersey City Councilman who was fatally shot. She was found dead in her car with multiple gunshot wounds. Crazy story. She's only 30 years old. She was serving her first term on the Sayreville, New Jersey City Council. Officials of the local PD responded to reports of a shooting at 7.22 p.m. in an unincorporated area of Sayreville. And she, yeah, they found Ms. Dwumfor in the car with multiple gunshot wounds pronounced dead at the scene. Uh, they were searching around. Um, she was found in a white vehicle which had rolled down the street's steep incline before crashing into two cars at the bottom of the hill. So does that mean it was in drive when she was shot? The cops aren't talking. They don't, they're not saying whether this, nobody's been arrested. I know that this story is a few days old. Nobody's been arrested. FBI is possibly involved because she is an elected official. They take that pretty seriously. New Jersey Governor Philip Murphy, Democrat. By, by the way, uh, Eunice Dwumfor was a Republican. But Phil Murphy said he was stunned by this act of gun violence. Uh, Sayreville is a small town of about uh, 45,000 people. Not that small, I guess. And... She was described as having roots in Ghana, but uh, she had a success story that took her from Newark to suburban central New Jersey. She was active in the church. She was a single mother, but she had gotten married last year to a man identified on Facebook as Easy Kings. Easy E. That's the spelling, not the rapper. Easy E. Ease <laughs> Ease Kings. Um. Yeah, I mean, you know, they always. Usually, I always look at the husband, but I don't know if he's a suspect in this. But very sad story. We'll watch that one, too. That's it Was it just completely random? Possible. But when it's like a woman, I always look at the husband or boyfriend first, and I'm sure the cops are as well. Speaking of New Jersey, a New Jersey man paid $20,000 in Bitcoin in a failed attempt to have a 14-year-old killed. <laughs> what did I tell you guys about Bitcoin? It's used for trading and buying more Bitcoin or selling more Bitcoin and crime. That's right. That's like 99.9% .9 of it. But yeah, he admitted in federal court on Thursday he tried to hire a hitman on the dark web. And why would he want to hire a hitman to kill a 14-year-old? Well, he was afraid the 14-year-old would testify against him in a child pornography case. This is 31-year-old John Michael Musbach of Haddonfield, New Jersey. And he did plead guilty to murder for higher charges in the U.S. District Court. 
So he logged onto a website that promised to kill people in exchange for payment in the cryptocurrency Bitcoin. How do I get to these websites? I know there's, I know there's like a whole thing. I've never acts, I've never gone on the dark web in my life. Have you guys gone on the dark web? I just assume you're immediately flagged, and my Google searches are problematic enough, so I honestly don't need the headache. I know there are certain like software you need to use or something like that. One of you guys hit me on the DMs about that. How to log into the dark web so I can hire hitmen, buy cocaine. You know, all that good stuff. Uh, so this dated back to 2015. Uh, Musbach exchanged sexually explicit photographs with the victim, who was then 13 years old and living in New York. The photos resulted in child porn charges against Musbach, so he decided to, quote, have the victim killed so that the victim could not testify against him in the pending criminal case, end quote. So he did plead guilty in 2017 in October, uh, he was sentenced to a two-year suspended sentence with parole supervision. Okay, well, so why go about it then? Hmm. So I'm confused here. Seems like the case is over, no? I mean, the case concluded October 11th, 2017. He was sentenced on February 9th, 2018 to that two-year suspended sentence with parole supervision for life. And his lawyer said that uh, he had decided to put the matter behind him and accept his responsibility. Well, uh, in 2015, yes, we know that. Okay, this all, oh, this story's poorly written, guys. Okay. So this all stems from action that took place before the case concluded. Apparently, he. Uh, began communicating with the administrator of that murder for hire site in May on May seventh, twenty sixteen. Yeah, so that would be about uh, a year and a half before he pleaded guilty. So he started chatting with this guy, and the administrator said uh, they were the right guys to do this. The home page of the website reads, quote, we have professional hitmen available throughout the entire USA, Canada, and Europe, and you can hire a contracted killer easily, end quote. <laughs> what, <laughs> what part of the FBI is running this website? How, do you believe that? So you go on a website like that, and you're like, oh, okay, this seems legit. These guys, these seem like nice guys, trustworthy. Well, they had the, the FBI and the Department of Justice has transcripts of his messages. Is this an actual website? They might not tell us, but or is this just a complete front for the federal government? Hmm. Let me see. He asked the uh, administrator. I'm using air quotes for administrator for now because I'm not sure if that's a real guy or if that's just like some FBI dude laughing his ass off as he types back. But Mr. Musbach wrote, quote, alternatively to a gun order, I could place a hit order. However, the target would be 14. Is that an acceptable age or too young? I can budget up to $20,000 for the order, end quote. An administer, administrator replied, quote, yes, 14 years old is acceptable, end quote. Oh, uh, here we go. Oh, this is a good one. Sounds like it was a scam. So he then the website administrator told Musbuck, yeah, I got a guy here who's going to do it. But that same day when he said he had a guy who could do it, he received a startling message from the administrator that read, quote, our site is a scam and we pass customer and target information to law enforcement, end quote. 
The person messaging Musbach warned him that if he didn't send over more money, law enforcement would be told of his actions. Hmm. Yeah, he thought it was a joke at first. Musbach's lawyer said it's basically a website that defrauded him of the approximately $20,000 that he was spending. Um, this sounds like a real dude trying to pull a scam. The administrator. Prosecutors said in January 20, 2019, a person referred to in court documents as, quote, source, end quote, gave federal in agents information about the murder for hire website. It's fascinating. Yeah, well, that Bitcoin's gone. So either way, you're going to prison and you're going to lose 20 grand. So good one. Way to go. Uh, quick update. Got a couple updates for you guys this week. Remember the Oregon man who was wanted in the torture of the woman? Yeah, the guy who was using the dating apps to communicate. That would be Benjamin Obadiah Foster, 36 years old. Well, he disappeared into the woods. They did a week-long manhunt. Well, it ended in on Tuesday night of this week. He fatally shot himself in a standoff with the police. So remember, he was accused last week of kidnapping a woman and severely beating her in her own home. Then he disappeared, and now cops believe that Foster is responsible for the beating deaths of 73-year-old Richard Barron and 64-year-old Donald Griffith, who were found dead early this week at their home. Hmm. Gay dudes? Sounds like it. The police said they were unaware of any connection between Foster and the two men. Hmm. What is this? <laughs> Some grinder date gone wrong? I don't know. I'm not trying to disparage anybody. I'm actually, I'm, I'm honestly curious about what was happening there. Of course, the cops aren't saying anything. They were conducting door-to-door -door welfare checks because it was a couple days after the woman was found and the woman was found beaten. And so that's when the authorities found the bodies of Griffith and Barron, and their deaths were ruled homicides. They believed the men had died from blunt force trauma. Okay. Well, they got him, and he killed himself, and it saved us all a lot of trouble, so that's good. Uh, let's go to some business stories, you guys. It was a big earnings week. A lot of the NASDAQ actually reported earnings. You guys know tech has been under fire. Let's get into a few of them. Amazon reported almost no profit in the latest quarter. They had an unexpected weakness in their big cloud computing business, AWS. So that helped slow overall sales growth to one of its lowest levels in decade. They reported $149.2 billion in revenue in the three months ending in December. That is insane. That is up 9% from a year earlier. A year ago, Amazon had its most profitable quarter ever with $14.3 billion in net income. Um, but, uh, this year they only had profit of $278 million. So $278 million in profit on $149 billion in revenue is, uh, not great. And some of that, by the way, includes $2.3 billion in lower valuation for their investment in that electric truck maker Rivian. I see a few Rivians around here. So they've definitely slowed down. Who else reported earnings? Well, Google did, or their parent company, Alpha, Alphabet. Their profit fell 34%. They're having a big ads slowdown. They posted, did Alphabet, their fourth consecutive decline in profit as they grappled with the, that digital slowdown. Net income 
fell 34% to $13.6 billion. Um, that is on $76 billion in sales, much more respectable than Amazon. But that sales generation is down 1% from a year earlier. Uh, yeah, apparently advertisers are reigning in their spending because of rising interest rates and inflation. So they're not seeing uh, as, as good of a revenue stream there. Who else did? Uh, Meta. Do you guys see Meta's stock price? <laughs> Full disclosure, I do own some Meta. I Remember, I think I told you guys this. I bought it after the 125% drop like a year ago or something like that. And then it just kept dropping. Yeah, it's crushing it right now. As a matter of fact, they reported better than expecting or better than expected earnings, and Meta also said they would buy back billions of dollars in the stock. And remember, Meta owns Facebook, Instagram, and WhatsApp. But shares of Meta on Thursday rose 23% in a single day. That's its biggest daily gain in nearly 10 years. And for a company that size, it means it's it means they added about a hundred billion dollars in market value in a single day, otherwise known as market cap. Their revenue in the quarter, three months, was just over thirty-two billion dollars. That's down four percent from a year ago, but it beat analyst expectations. They also announced forty billion dollars in share buybacks, so that's good. Meta's core products like Facebook and Instagram still put up strong sales. And, by the way, as I predicted, they cut a lot of the dead weight. Meta, for years, spent lavishly on breaknet expansion. But then fucking Elon Musk comes along, as I told you, fired two-thirds of the company. Site continues to work fine. And Zuckerberg and the rest of them are walking, looking around like, what the fuck? Is smoothie bar? Are you fucking kidding me? By the way, Meta, or I'm sorry, Facebook... They surpassed 2 billion daily active users for the first time last quarter. Huh. Yeah, people still are using Facebook. Oh, and by the way, this, this helped as well. On Wednesday, a federal judge rejected the Federal Trade Commission's request to block Meta from spending $400 million to acquire a virtual reality startup called Within. That's a major legal victory for the company. They're still investing heavily in that metaverse. I'm still... I'm still not sold on the metaverse. I can see like business applications for it, but I don't think anybody's going to use it just on their own. Oh, and yes, they did lay off more than 11,000 employees in November, as I told you at the time. What about Ford? Ford, another another one of my stocks. They have a good dividend still, thankfully. It's the only reason I'm still hanging on to this pig. But yeah, they lost $2.2 billion in 2022. They wrote, and Rivian comes up again. They also had investments in Rivian. They fucking wrote down $7.4 billion of their investment in Rivian. If you don't know, wrote down, basically, they write it off. They're like, yeah, we lost this money. It's not coming back. They also wrote down $2.8 billion on something called Argo AI, a company developing autonomous vehicles. So now Ford has... Uh, Almost is pretty much done with Rivian. Revenue had risen about 16%. They made $158 billion. I think that's the whole year, though. Mainly because of higher car prices. The company did sell 4.2 million vehicles worldwide, up from 3.9 million in 2021. But 
They've had some recalls, which are hugely expensive and time-consuming. Um, they need, and, and their CFO said they need to improve quality and lower costs. They were also hurt by a $600 million loss stemming from a venture in China, and they lost $12 billion in special expenses, and that includes Argo, Rivian, etc. Excluding the special expenses, interest, and tax, Ford made a $10.4 billion profit last year. But with those, that really hurt them, and so they ended up losing a, a couple billion. The company sold 1.15 million vehicles in the fourth quarter alone. Wow. And they're really going, and, and plus they're investing a lot. They're going after Tesla. They're getting into the EV space, all that. And then how about the oil companies? Well, one example, they've been killing it. Shell's profit. You ready for this? Profit, not their revenue. Profit, you know how much they made in 2022? How about $42.3 billion? Yeah. By the way, Shell is Europe's largest energy company. That is more than double Shell's 2021 total, and they think it's a record, a record yearly profit for any British company ever. Yeah, they've been uh, killing it. They've been raking in cash because of high oil and natural gas prices. Uh, also, just noted, and uh, ExxonMobil, I do have a stake in them, they reported $56 billion in annual profit. And yes, that is also a record for Exxon. <laughs> I'm not hating on them, though, dude. People always want to hate the oil companies. I'm like, first of all, they're, they're doing a valuable service. And people forget, man, you remember like two years ago? What was it during an oil crisis? Remember when oil briefly dipped under zero dollars a gallon, uh, a barrel? I'm sorry. You guys remember that? The oil companies were literally paying people to take the oil away from them. It went down so badly. I don't fucking remember anybody crying over them then, but now they want to cry because these guys are making money. They weathered the storm. I love oil companies. Are you kidding me? And by the way, Exxon, Chevron. British Petroleum or BP, they all have great dividends. And if, if you're not um, exposed to any fossil fuels in your portfolio, that is a mistake on your part. Well-diversified portfolio, gents and ladies. So, yeah, they did uh, really well. Oh, yeah, here we go. Oil and gas investments were considered something close to liabilities a year ago. Amid efforts to diversify into renewable energy to address global warming. Jesus. Now fossil fuels are not only more profitable, but more valuable in terms of energy security. Energy security is a concept that politicians seemingly have never thought about, and they don't until the lights go off or until the winter storm comes in. Hello, Gavin Newsom, Greg Abbott. Yeah, investors are skeptical that renewable energy investments can provide the returns needed to finance dividends and stock buybacks. Adding to such pressure, investors are now heavily favoring American companies like Exxon and Chevron, which have focused on oil and gas over their European fossil fuel counterparts, which have been gradually reducing fossil fuels in favor of renewables. But everybody's like, well, I can't make any money on this, so I'm not going to invest in it. Yeah. Okay. Fossil fuels, guys, still a good thing. I know everybody thought they were dead like five years ago. Let's uh, do Ukraine-Russia quickly. First of all, we sent them a new aid package, military aid package, $2.2 billion. Um, yes. 
That is uh, that includes, by the way, a new guided weapon. This will include money for Kiev to purchase a new rocket-boosted weapon that can strike targets up to 93 miles away. The weapon is called the ground-launched small-diameter bomb. This is brand new. It has not been fielded by the Pentagon at all. But it would give Ukraine's army the ability to hit targets even farther away than it can currently reach with the HIMARS system that we've already sent them. And this weapon can be fired from American-made HIMARS and M270 launchers provided to Ukraine. So in the air, this it has a solid-fuel rocket motor that propels a 250-pound bomb further until they separate, whereupon the bomb deploys these wings. They're like scissor-like wings, and they glide to its target, guided by satellites. God damn, we are good at making weapons, aren't we? Yeah, the winged munition carried by the rocket is a GBU-39 small diameter bomb. It was designed to be dropped from warplanes. It's intended for urban targets. It's half the weight of the 500-pound bombs that were frequently used in America's wars in Iraq and Afghanistan. So they've had mock-ups of a rocket-boosted version of this gliding bomb before at military trade shows, but the Pentagon has never indicated interest in purchasing the weapon. The weapon was developed by Boeing and Saab. Yeah, Saab, the car maker. They're still around. They make weapons, too. It was tested as early as 2015. So according to Saab, yeah, 93-mile range. You're good. And they're fighting uh, fiercely still in the embattled city of Bakhmut. Russian forces are closing in on the city. It's just a complete wasteland. It, it's not, you know, Ukraine had all the momentum there for a while, and it looks like... Um, not great things are happening. They fear a new offensive is underway because Russia is massing hundreds of thousands of troops on the border and stepping up their bombardment. An article from a few days ago at the New York Times say, says that the uh, Russians are targeting dozens of places a day in a stepped-up barrage of artillery attacks. Ukrainian forces are struggling to hold their ground on a 140-mile stretch in the east and they're waiting these they're they're waiting on these tanks, armored vehicles and other weapon systems. Well, as I told you last week, just because we said we're going to send you tanks, that could take a year by the time those tanks are actually ready to fucking fire upon the Russians in Ukraine. That could take forever. That's not looking good. Yep. Yeah, uh what else about Ukraine, Russia? It's just a fucking stalemate. The whole the whole fucking countryside over there is just a complete wasteland. Uh, related news. You guys remember I've talked to the Wagner Group quite a bit, the private military company of Russia linked to Moscow. Well, they believe that the mercenaries from Wagner have committed war crimes and crimes against humanity in the West African nation of Mali, along with that country's military. Of course, because the French are gone. Right, the French are like, yeah, they they remember they kicked the French out, and they invited the Russians in, and I bet part of that is because you know the French have rules about combat, but the UN Human Rights Council, uh, who assigned somebody to look into it, said in a statement, "quote Since 2021, experts have received persistent and alarming accounts of horrific executions, mass graves, acts of torture." 
rape and sexual violence, pillaging, arbitrary detentions, and enforced disappearances. And again, this wasn't just by Wagner guys. It was by the Malian Armed Forces. I wonder how much money we're giving them. Yeah, they believe that the mercenaries have been suspected of disproportionately targeting civilians. And we have also named the Wagner Group as a significant transnational criminal organization. Remember we did that a few weeks ago? In Africa, Wagner is involved in at least half a dozen countries, and they believe that there is about a thousand Wagner operatives in Mali alone deployed alongside the country's military. You guys have been listening. You know they've been fighting that jihadist insurgency in the north of Mali for a long time now. And they just uh, spray and pray. They just kill everybody in sight. And it's extreme violence. And, well, Molly, this is what you want, right? You, you said no to the French, and uh, you invited these fucking savages in. And a new death toll came out also this week. Remember I told... Was it just the other week I said they estimated Russian troop deaths at 100,000 killed and wounded? Now... It's the estimate is 200,000. It's in, completely insane. Uh, this is hard to estimate, but officials, American officials, say that that fighting around the Ukrainian city of Bakhmut and the town of Solidar has ballooned what was already a heavy toll. And they are sending these poorly trained recruits and former convicts to the front lines straight into the path of Ukrainian shelling and machine guns. The result, according to American officials, has been hundreds of troops killed or injured a day. This is like fucking barbaric. It's a World War One. That's what we're in. It's a artillery, belt-fed, and trench war. That's what they they have now. How long is that going to go on? It's just a meat grinder. It's honestly, it's a fucking human tragedy. I, I can't even root. I don't even like root for anybody anymore. I hope the Ukrainians, you know, maintain their independence, of course. But I take I take no joy in any of it. Um, unlike a lot of people who are like, yeah, fuck the Russians. I'm like, dude, this is like a whole generation of young people slaughtered, and for fucking what? Because they have an insane fucking dictator who has this dream of bringing back the Soviet Union, Mother Russia, whatever you want to call it. He's completely insane, and it's just. It's nuts. Putin is comparing this to World War II. He's like, no, this is just like World War II. How many how many Soviet troops died in World War II? What was it, like 8 million, 12 million, something like that? And when is the political support? When are his generals going to abandon him? They're all afraid to because they're afraid they'll go to the gulag. So then the meat grinder just keeps going. It's fucking shocking, dude. The last public Biden administration estimate of casualties came just last November. And that's when Mark Milley, White Rage Milley, said that more than 100,000 troops on each side had been killed and wounded. So now they're fucking doubling that up. Whew. On Norwegian TV on January 22nd, Norway's defense chief, General Erik Christofferson, said estimates were that Russia had suffered 180,000 dead and wounded while Ukraine had 100,000 killed or wounded in action, along with 30,000 civilian deaths. This is just a fucking nightmare. <laughs> the toll of 200,000 in 11 months is eight times higher than U.S. casualties in all 21 years we're in Afghanistan. 
That's what's sho- that's what's most shocking is the compressed time. Completely nuts. Uh, right. Uh, and then just uh, quickly, uh, I wanted to single this one out. And a lot of you guys sent me this. American aid worker Pete Reed has been killed in Ukraine while helping civilians under fire. He was a U.S. Marine Corps veteran, and he's a humanitarian worker. He was in Bakhmut, Ukraine, and he did serve two deployments as a Marine rifleman in Afghanistan. He founded he founded the nonprofit Global Response Medicine in 2017, or GRM, and he decided to go work with doctors on their Ukrainian mission. Um, again, if you listen to me from the beginning, I, I would say never go over there, but he felt the call, and uh, it's a noble calling, even if I don't agree with it. And he was actively aiding in the evacuation of Ukrainian citizens when his evacuation vehicle was hit with a missile on February 2nd, 2023. And I want to, uh, I wanted to mention him because actually his, um, his, his, his wife, uh, Alex Potter, and I'm saying her name because she's mentioned in the CBS news story. Um, I've actually met her before and, uh, we've, uh, she listens to the podcast and follows me on Instagram. So, I wanted to give her a shout out and say, keep your head up and um, just really, really sad stuff. And he pretty much died doing what you do as a medic, you know, saving other lives. So just a tragic story all around. So Alex, if you hear this, I hope you're keeping your head up. And then I don't have time to get into this, you guys, but I want you to go read this. Uh, Have you heard of the Mozart group? Well, I want you to go Google this this story title. It's titled, quote, Hard Drinking and Murky Finances, How an American Veterans Group Imploded in Ukraine, end quote. And this, the head of it was this guy, Andrew Milburn. He's a former American Marine colonel. He was the head of Mozart Group. And they were one of the most prominent private American military organizations in Ukraine, but now they have just, they're done. They have a cloud of accusations ranging from financial improprieties to alcohol-addled misjudgments. And this is kind of a window into all this foreign volunteer groups that have gone to Ukraine. They have the best of intentions, but, you know, this is a, like I just said, this is an artillery bombardment now. And it's complicated. And hundreds, if not thousands, of foreign veterans and volunteers have passed through Ukraine. And a lot of them are guys like, you know, guys like we all know, right? Dudes who are in the military, who fought in Afghanistan and Iraq, who contracted for years, and they decide this is what I do. You know, I don't know how to do anything else. This is what I'm going to do. I guess I'm going to Ukraine. So the Mozart group trained Ukrainian Ukrainian troops first. They raised more than a million dollars in donations to finance it all. But then as time goes on, people stop caring. Money begins to run out. And uh, they had lawsuits going after each other. And yeah, it just uh, it was just a complete shit show. <laughs> it's, it's, this is funny. So Milburn uh, had a partner named... The fuck is this guy's name? His last name is Bane. Uh, not like the terrorist, the Batman terrorist. Andrew Bane. He was the chief's fin- chief financial officer, and he met Milburn. And yeah, he uh, they they just did a lot of stupid stuff. 
there's and he's being Milburn's being sued right now. Milburn is being sued for among other things making derogatory comments about Ukraine's leadership while quote significantly intoxicated end quote. But yeah, I mentioned this story because um, Milburn actually went on uh, my friend Jack Murphy. I know some of you guys know him. You know Jack. He's got the podcast, the Team House, and. Milburn went on there and they like to drink on that podcast. And this is the quote he said. He said, quote, I happen to have a Ukraine flag tied to my bag, but I'm not. Oh my God. Ukraine is so awesome. I understand that there are plenty of screwed up people running Ukraine End quote. And then the New York times writes, this This is funny. The clip was taken from the team house podcast in which guests are invited into a living room setting to drink hard liquor with the hosts. Oh God. Hard liquor from a military man. Ah, horrible. Anyway, go check that whole thing out. Is that all I have? Yes, that's all I have. So there's Ukraine, Russia. Okay, uh, another update. Remember the cartel, cartel killing in Northern California? Told you guys that about a few weeks. It killed six people, including the mom holding her baby. They were shot in the fucking face. Like savagery. Well, they've arrested two guys. The attack was back on January 16th in the Central Valley. And, uh, yes, they arrested Angel... Nanu Uriarty, 35 years old. He was arrested after a gunfight with federal officers in Goshen. That's right by where the murders took place. And then they also arrested 25-year-old Noah David Beard. He was taken into custody without incident in Visalia, the city next to Goshen. You know, I can't get enough of these morons. If you just slaughtered an entire family, including a mother and baby, and not only are local cops looking for you, but the feds are looking for you, the ATF is looking for you, the FBI is looking for you, everybody under the fucking planet is looking for you, wouldn't you fucking go somewhere else a little farther? You had time. (laughs) Instead, these fucking one dope is in the same town and another dope is in the town right next door. Wow, you're super intelligent, guys. They are both considered gang members, by the way, and they both have criminal histories, of course. Uh, Prohibited to use weapons, obviously. They are describing both men as validated members of the Norteños gang, which dominates the area. They burst into the house at 3.38 a.m., and they killed their first victim, Eladio Perez Jr., 52 years old. He's a member of the rival Soreños gang. They still say the motive is not exactly clear. Was this just the gang payback? Was this for money? Was this a turf war? There we go. Yeah, here we go. A multi-agency effort involving more than 100 agents led to the arrest. Yeah, fucking geniuses. I'd be fucking in, like, Australia. Like, hours after, if I had to do something like that, I would be taking an Uber immediately. Well, not an Uber, because they can track what Ubers are around. But I would be hightailing it to the nearest fucking airport and bouncing. Dipshits. Uh, more update. You guys remember we talked a lot about the Tyree Nichols case. That's the Memphis shooting the guy who was got the shit kicked out of him by the Memphis cops. Later died. Big deal in the media. Little bit of a follow-on story for that. They are now um, looking at the EMTs, the emergency emergency medical techs, and how they responded. 
I don't know if I agree with this because the board that regulates EMTs in Tennessee on Friday, just uh, yesterday, they voted to suspend the licenses of the two guys who arrived at the scene and failed to render aid. They did not provide any care for 19 minutes after getting to the scene. And they voted unanimously to suspend their licenses. Uh, Also, by the way, the Memphis Police Department fired a sixth officer. He is not being charged, I believe. So, but about the EMTs. So they said for 19 minutes, neither EMT had taken Nichols' vital signs, conducted an examination of him, or administered oxygen. Um, One was an advanced EMT. It's called an, I don't know what the standards are now. I'm a paramedic still, but I think there's an advanced EMT. They're, they're authorized to administer IV lines and shit like that. Well, he did not do so. But here's the thing. Like, you have to listen to that. When you're a fucking, especially when you're a street medic, I mean, from day one, they beat this in your head. Scene safety, scene safety, scene safety. And if the cops are telling you, don't go near him. And I don't know if they did or didn't. I'm just saying this would be like a factor. If the cops are telling you, no, he's not under control yet. The scene is not safe. Then you're not fucking obligated. Again, I don't know if that happened. Because I'm looking for details in this New York Times article. Uh, let's see here. I, I think this is just piling on now. Okay, here we go. Video footage showed it. It was played for the board, this video. It showed a handcuffed Nichols repeatedly fall over while propped up against a police car. They did help him sit up a few times, but then largely left him alone, not touching him for long periods of time. They walked away for about 30 seconds as Nichols rolled around on the ground. Well... I, I, I'm, I'm, if I'm them, I'm saying like, dude, this, this patient is not under control. I, I'm not saying it's great. or I'm not trying to defend the EMTs. I'm just trying to play devil's advocate here. But yeah, they are, the EMTs will be able to contest the findings and provide their versions of it, it, it their versions of events. Uh, so I don't know. Tough to, if I were them, I would just say, Hey, the cop, I mean, the cops are already in jail on murder charges. I'd be like, hey, they told me, hey, we're not ready for you yet. And just stick with that. Uh, and then, interestingly enough, also in Memphis, a man was killed by a Memphis police officer. He had shot a cop, though. Obviously, things are on edge over there, considering the Nichols situation. But a Memphis police officer shot and killed a man in a public library on Thursday afternoon after the man shot another cop, critically wounded him, wounding him. Memphis police responded to a report of a man trespassing at a business near the library around noon. Um, The same man got into a confrontation with someone else about 30 minutes later inside the library. When the police tried to talk to him, he pulled out a gun and shot a cop. A second police officer then fatally shot the man. By the way, uh, the victim and the two officers who responded were all (laughs) African-Americans. Uh, yikes. A lot of stuff going on there. Uh, another cop story. There was a fatal Ohio shooting that was really weird. A prosecutor in Ohio said that three police officers are responding to a burglary call will not be charged in the fatal shooting of a man his family said had been cleaning out his dead grandmother's apartment. 
and they released body cam video. So this man is Joe Frazier Jr., 28 years old. So, uh, let me see here. Did they Were they called? Okay, yes, the officers were dispatched. That means they were called. 12.37 a.m., middle of the night. They were called to investigate a burglary in progress after a neighbor described two to three people inside a residence that, quote, should have been vacant, end quote. So the footage, the body cam stuff, showed the officers approaching the building, walking to the back where they encountered Mr. Frazier and his father, Joe Frazier Sr., in a narrow area. The senior Frazier had been standing in the driveway, and then he ran off. The younger Frazier was behind the wheel of the minivan. The footage showed the officers with their guns drawn, shouting, Stop, put your hands in the air, get out of the car now. Frazier refused to demand from officers to get out of the vehicle, instead put it into reverse, hitting a tree. He then accelerated towards the officers, nearly striking one of them before he steered towards the other two. Well, there, you, and then they shot him. Well, there you go. And now they want all the, they're all bitching about it, the family. Well, what the fuck do you expect, dude? <laughs> How about fucking keep your, show your hands, tell the cops you're related or whatever, if that's even true. It, that, now I've read the story. I'm like, is that even true? Stupid. Yeah, we, if you try to drive towards a cop, they are going to kill you. I don't know how many more times. That's a deadly weapon. They could die. They're going to act in self-defense. Fucking, what's, what's up with his dad? Why would he run? Something's going on there. Instead, that's what I hate about them. All the story is on what the cops did. Well, what about what fucking moron Frazier? What about what he did? What's his story? What's going on there? Demand to know. All right, let's lighten it up a little bit here. A YouTube penis enlargement advocate has suffered a bloody death in Thailand. Hmm. Yes, this is Leo Rex, a self-described, quote, masculinity biohacker, end quote. Okay, if you have to tell people that, you're neither. He's famous for once declaring himself the, quote, foremost expert in penis enlargement, end quote, on his popular YouTube channel. Well, he d died mysteriously Monday inside an apartment in the coastal Thai city, Pattaya. They have not declared his cause of death. But his real name, Leo Rex, is Laith Abdallah Algaz. He was found face down in a bathroom surrounded by cannabis, antidepressants, bipolar disorder medication, sleeping pills, and, quote, muscle-boosting antibiotics, end quote. <laughs> what are those? He was nude, except for a black shirt. He had a black eye, and he still had blood flowing from his nose and mouth. His apartment appears to have been ransacked. Uh, and they're checking security footage. Yeah, this guy sounds like a nut. They they quote an ex-wife in here. He was he was a Colorado native, by the way. He moved to Thailand after his ex-wife Lucy divorced him last year. Uh, Lucy said Rex abused alcohol, drugs, and was quote extremely verbally and emotionally abusive. End quote to her. Yeah, this sounds like. It, he ran a YouTube channel called Leo and Longevity. They had 123,000 subscribers. Most of his videos had bogus science, of course, that required disclaimers in each video before he dished out quacky advice. His channel discussed topics like bodybuilding, experimental health supplements, steroids, and his experience taking different drugs. Oh, yeah. What a winner. 
The channel's most viewed video was titled, quote, How to Build a Better Penis, end quote. Rex told his followers he'd successfully grown his member two inches through a system of pumping and weights. Yeah, <laughs> God, the YouTubers, man. I know I keep telling you guys I'm going to go on YouTube. Honestly, I don't want to be associated with YouTube or any of those people on YouTube, but I figure I have to do it. All right, a few more international stories. I, I talked about Pakistan earlier. They had a tough week, Pakistan. They also had 49 children drown after an overloaded boat capsized in a lake. Jesus. Divers spent three days dragging bodies from freezing waters. The, the, they were all boys. They were aged between 7 and 14. All of them were students of a madrasa and had been taken for a day trip to the scenic Tanda Dam Lake. Um, yeah, the bodies of a teacher and one captain were also pulled from the water that brought the death toll to 51. Jesus. Uh, let me see. The boat was overloaded. Their capacity was around 20 to 25 people. They did rescue five people, four students and a teacher. And uh, just a shit show. Stop fucking getting in overloaded boats, man. Boats are bad. And I was telling somebody this the other day. You know, I've been on boats, obviously, military, et cetera. I, but for pleasure, like people in San Diego, they do it a lot. It's like, hey, it's, we got the boat. We're going to a boat party. And I'm like, once the boat leaves the dock, you're stuck on the boat. So this could be like 12 fucking hours. And you're with a bunch of people you don't know. You might get tired. Everybody around you is a fucking tool bag. And you're just like, dude, I just want to get out of here. But you can't. You're on the boat. <laughs> There's nowhere to go. That's why I despise going on boat parties. So, yeah, be careful. Okay, I want to have some fun now. I've got some fantastic audio for you guys. You guys are going to love this shit. So, this is going to be great. Well, for, let me lead into the audio with this news. I talk about ChatGPT a lot. The AI-generated app. You guys all know it by now. I'm fascinated with it. Where we're going as a society, humanity, everything else. So there's a new tool against it. A 22-year-old senior at Princeton University developed an app, an app called GPT-0 that detects whether a text was written by ChatGPT, right? So we've all been speculating, like, well, this is, is this the end of the college essay, etc.? Because, you know, you could use it to write an essay. Um, so this kid, Edward Tian, 22-year-old senior, He's a computer science major, and he spent a large chunk of his winter break developing this software. And according to him, the software is able to quickly and efficiently decipher whether an essay was written by a human or by ChatGPT. Hmm. He was motivated to create this to fight the increasing problem of AI plagiarism. The beta service is online. The GPT-0 went, uh, went live January 2nd. So... I haven't tried it yet myself. How does it catch these essays? Well, it works because it was trained on similar data sets at, at, as ChatGPT. So in other words, the same shit that ChatGPT looks to to write the essay, the GPT-0 is looking at those two. So it can measure the comparative complexity as what they call it. So all that's a long way to decide, like, well, maybe there will be a counter weapon to this. 
But the AI is getting good, including the ability to mimic voices. And with that, I have to... I'm going to say this up front. These are both hilarious. These are not real audio clips from the people you think they are, okay? They are entirely generated by AI, which is terrifying. So here's one you'll hear that some racist guy made, and it's in a voice of the celebrated British voice artist David Attenborough. You guys all know him from, like, Planet Earth and all that shit, Blue Planet, all that stuff. Love David Attenborough. So here is... A clip that somebody put out on Twitter of uh, you know not David Attenborough, but somebody who sounds just like him. Let's take a look. The sidewalk, here. right next to a liquor store, a large American Negro is pacing back and forth. The American Negro is highly territorial. Countless scars, remnants of so-called turf wars, testify that life has not been kind to this young male, and he's desperately searching for conflict. A young Asian male approaches. While intellectually superior, physically, the much smaller Asian male is hopelessly outmatched. And a direct confrontation would mean certain death. The Asian male perceives the danger instantly and switches sidewalks. And just a few meters down the road, a young white male observes the situation from a safe distance. He is unsure how to proceed. <laughs> the large Negro male is standing next to his car, effectively obstructing his escape route. Then, finally, the young white male musters up his courage and slowly moves closer. Any noise or sudden movement could potentially ignite the Negro male's strong territorial instincts and lead to a dire fight over life and death. <laughs> Suddenly, two heavily overweight white females appear seemingly out of nowhere, attracting the Negro male's undivided attention. <laughs> the young white male seizes the opportunity and enters his car unnoticed by the large Negro male. He will spend the night in safety in white suburbia. Okay, so that's, that's the first one. Ah, oh, I'm dying. Okay, this one, though, is even more offensive. And this one also has video. And this is none other than a parody of Sleepy Joe Biden, President of the United States. And I will tell you, if you do not look closely at this video... You would think this was absolutely real, except for they fucked up in one. This is completely AI generated. Uh, they used Joe Biden clips, uh, video and audio, moving his mouth around, whatever the fuck they did. It looks like he's saying these words. It looks like him. It doesn't look like a robot or anything. It looks like him. And the, the only way you could tell is, honestly, the speech is far too smooth for joe biden we all know he can't say one sentence without stammering and stuttering so this is far too smooth that's how you'd know it's fake but it sounds just like him it's a very offensive clip and i want to make clear one more time this is ai this is not sleepy joe and it's extremely offensive he is talking about um he's talking about transgender people or the ai is talking about transgender people listen to this clip and hear how see how good it You'll is never be a real woman you have no womb, you have no ovaries, you have no eggs. You're a homosexual man twisted by drugs and surgery into a crude mockery of nature's perfection. All the validation you get is two-faced and half-hearted. Behind your back, people mock you. Your parents are disgusted and ashamed of you. Your friends laugh at your ghoulish appearance behind closed doors. Men are utterly repulsed by you. 
Thousands of years of evolution have allowed men to sniff out frauds with incredible efficiency. Even trannies who pass look uncanny and unnatural to a man. Your bone structure is a dead giveaway. And even if you manage to get a drunk guy home with you, he'll turn tail and bolt the second he gets a whiff of your diseased, infected axe wound. You will never be happy. You wrench out a fake Jesus. smile every single morning and tell yourself it's going to be it's okay. Not funny. But deep inside, you feel the depression creeping up like a weed, ready to crush you under the unbearable weight. Eventually, it'll be too much to bear. You'll buy a rope, tie a noose, put it around your neck, and plunge into the cold abyss. Your parents will find you, heartbroken but relieved that they no longer have to live with the unbearable shame and disappointment. They'll bury you with a headstone marked with your birth name, and every passerby for the rest of eternity will know a man is buried there. Your body will decay and go back to the dust. And all that will remain of your legacy is a skeleton that is unmistakably male. This is your fate. This is what you chose. There's no turning back. I mean, dude, they have the American flag props behind them, the White House uh, symbol on the upper left hand of the screen, breaking news on the bottom. And it, the mouth, per, I'm watching it again as I'm playing it for you guys. The mouth is perfectly moving along the words. I mean, my God, nothing is going to be real anymore. Every time you see something on the internet now, it, it, you have to question everything. It's just completely insane. Again, and this is all, this is shit that's only a couple months old. I know a lot of you guys poo poo it. I've read some of your comments. But, dude, this is a couple months old, this new chat GPT, some of these AI obligations. What's it going to be like in a year, five years, ten years? It, it's pretty extraordinary. <clears throat> if any of you are LGBT and offended by that, I really, that is, like, by far the best clip I've used to illustrate my point of how fearsomely real this shit is. So, um, but it, it was kind of fucking funny. <laughs> I, I mean, I laughed. I hate myself. I laughed, Okay. Uh, and then one more story on AI. Have you guys seen the sitcom that goes on forever? Yeah. It's streaming on Twitch. It's completely AI generated. It's called Nothing Forever. Nothing, comma, forever. And it's like an AI generated version of Seinfeld. It's like four people in a room. And it just goes on forever. The, the AI just reaches into the internet and finds situations that might be humorous. It's like a bad um, animated show. Like, it's really... Uh, it looks like a low-tech animation from, like, the 80s or something like that. But, again, 100% AI, and it just goes on forever. Uh, as a matter of fact, apparently I was one of the first people to see this. The Twitch account that the show runs on, which is at WatchMeForever on Twitch, as of Tuesday, had around 100 followers and 16 viewers. By Thursday... It had 47,000 followers and a steady stream of around 11,000 active viewers at once, making the show the first AI-generated sitcom with a growing audience. It's crazy. Oh, I, gotta, I, gotta, I can play a clip here. Here we go. Listen to this. This is Nothing Forever, an infinitely generating AI version of Seinfeld that's currently streaming on Twitch. That was pretty cool until I realized that the delivery guy had taken a nap on it. Anyway... I'm Larry, and thanks for coming out tonight. Dreamt up by a group of coders. Okay, and you get the, there's a voiceover, so I won't go into it. But that's kind of just what it sounded like, so I wanted to play you really quickly. Crazy shit, man. 
Let's come back here to California. Did you see the doctor who was riding his bike? He gets runs over, ran over by a Lexus, and then he was stabbed to death by the driver. This is a this is completely insane. This was Doctor Michael Mamon. He was riding his bike along Pacific Coast Highway, uh, and I do believe it was in the um, Laguna Beach area, according to a friend of mine. And it was like a mountain bike, so I think he was like maybe he was. I don't know, going mountain biking, going to a mountain biking place. Anyway, Orange County Sheriff is investigating this. But it was it, it's fucking nuts. So now they're wondering about this guy who killed him. So he he's 58. He was run over by a white Lexus which sped through a red light around 3 o'clock in the afternoon. They have surveillance video of that part. And then the driver of the vehicle, 39-year-old Van Roy Smith, got out of his car and stabbed the cyclist multiple times in the back before he was tackled to the ground by bystanders. And according to some witnesses, ABC7 had this story, as he was approaching Dr. Mamone, who was a married father of two, he was screaming racial slurs about white privilege. And this isn't some gangster. Smith is an accountant who owned his own like bookkeeping business. Police are claiming that the pair were complete fucking strangers. Smith is described as a black man. He does have a, a, an arrest record. Let me see if I can get to that in a moment. Um, but yeah... Orange County Sheriff's Department, for their part, says investigators are not aware of the slurs yet. Uh, and they also said they thought they saw a gun, but, you know, these witness accounts are sketchy. Police say there was not a gun. Smith is a father of two. He was arrested. He's been charged with murder. And, yeah, Mamone worked as an ER physician at Providence Mission Hospital in Laguna Beach. If you guys don't know, Laguna Beach is a very wealthy, desirable community. Right up the up the street for me, about an hour, hour and fifteen. Yeah, totally nuts. And then um, the uh, Daily Mail, of course, did some digging, and they found his social media accounts. He wrote rambling posts about ethnicity and religion. Did Van Roy Smith? And he's from Long Beach. Let me see here. What's some of the stuff? On on Facebook, Smith wrote about being mixed race. Yeah, he looks like a maybe a you know half white, half black guy. And he wrote about being mixed race and posted lengthy musings about ethnicity and religion. He wrote, quote, I was born of a black and white, then had the lucky chance of growing the first 12 years with my black family and the following six with white. I am mixed and I find races petty, end quote. Hmm. Yeah, I'm looking at a screenshot. Holy shit, this guy wrote paragraphs on Facebook. Like, literally. One, two, three, four, five, six. That first quote I just read, that's part of a six-paragraph fucking post. And each paragraph has like ten sentences in it. Yeah, and he, and then he has another one on, underneath that. Um, he mused about the significance given to the colors white and black and said it impacted people's attitudes. He wrote, quote, by appearance and established standards, I am called a black man. Does that mean I deny and reject half of my ancestry? How do we tell someone to filter things like that from their blood? End quote. Okay. So what is this guy like devouring like fucking race theory online or something? Yeah, really, apparently this guy, Mamone, was beloved and he's a fucking ER doctor, dude. Pillar of the community. 
sad, dude. But uh, really scary. And speaking of doctors, remember the doctor who drove the Tesla off the cliff with his wife and two kids in it? And when I did the story a few weeks ago, they arrested the guy for murder. And I was like, well, how do they know? Like, was there like some kind of recording device in the car or what? Well, now we have an answer. The wife of a Pasadena doctor charged with the attempted murder of his family told paramedics who rescued them that her husband intentionally drove their Tesla off a 250-foot cliff. 42-year-old Darmesh Patel, he's the doctor, was booked. He's facing first-degree attempted murder and child abuse charges. Patel's wife is still in the hospital. It's a good-looking lady, too. She told paramedics, according to the San Mateo County District Attorney, um that he intentionally tried to kill them. And that was as soon as they got there. Wagstaff told the San Francisco Chronicle, the prosecutor, quote, she said very simply, this was not an accident. We do believe the evidence establishes the necessary intent to kill, end quote. Patel himself was spent three weeks in the hospital. He was seriously injured, but apparently he's okay enough to go to jail. And he will be arraigned on February 9th. Fucking nuts, dude. Yeah, because they were looking into like what the the car fail, the brakes fail, et cetera, et cetera. But now they're like, nope, wife told us. So crazy. Uh, Hunter Biden is in the news. <clears throat> yeah, that's right. He finally came out and admitted his laptop was real. <laughs> oh, remember all those intelligence guys who signed a letter? Yeah. Yeah, that's our fight. They're all very high up in the CIA, NSA, White House. Oh, yeah. They're all they're like, no, this is fake. This is a MAGA plant. Yeah. They and none of them have been sorry. I, I, I look at one of them's Twitter account, this Mark Polyamopoulos guy, whatever, some CIA fucking hack. He, he never, I, I always fucking rag on him. Like I was, I'll sometimes troll him. Like he'll say something about like baseball. And I'm like, well, that's interesting. Do you regret signing that letter calling Hunter Biden's laptop Russian disinformation? He never answers me, but he hasn't blocked me yet either. He will. But yes, Hunter Biden's lawyers admitted on Wednesday that this week that the infamous laptop that the 52 year old abandoned at a Delaware computer shop in the throes of his crack cocaine addiction, addiction does indeed belong to him. Very good. But that came in a letter from his lawyer seeking a criminal probe into what they called attempts to, quote, weaponize, end quote, its contents. So they're going after the laptop store owner, you know, that he, he had no right to access that and, you know, give it to Rudy Giuliani or whatever he did. I really don't care, but funny shit, dude. Yeah, but just everybody just lies, dude. Everybody, everybody but me. This is the only place you guys can go to for real no lying. The truth at all times. I mean, if I'm wrong, you guys know I'll correct myself. And then also Hunter Biden, the Daily Mail ran an article about his some of his texts to a former employee. In 2019, the, uh, Hunter threatened to withhold back pay from a legal assistant unless she had sex with him on FaceTime. That's what they wrote. Sex with him on FaceTime. Like, you know, phone sex. She was not named in a report. Um, the woman emailed Hunter asking why she had not received her paycheck and why her health insurance was not active. Um, he texted her back. He didn't text her back until like two months later. Yeah, two months later, Biden sends her a thousand bucks via Apple Pay. 
And he texts her on March 7, 2019, and he texts her, quote, I will make, it's, it's, it says bake, because that's what he typed, the moron can't even say I will make. I will bake up for back pay. You have to make up for back work. After he sent $2,000 more, she agreed, and Biden set the terms. Quote, the rule has to be no talk of anything but sex, and we must be naked, and we have to do whatever the other person asks within reason, end quote. And then the texts go on and on. And apparently they did FaceTime, and uh, Hunter did fucking uh, jacket right in front of her. So good for him. Wow. You know, Hunter Biden is all the shit that the left-wingers say Donald Trump Jr. is. Because, you know, they're always accusing Donald Trump Jr. of being on coke. And and maybe, I'm sure he has done coke. But they're always accusing the Trump kids of being coked up and deviants and shit like that. When And they completely... And then when you bring up Hunter Biden, they're like, well, he's not in office, mister. He can do whatever he wants, mister. And I'm like, Donald Trump Jr. is not in office either. And you fucking pillory that guy for four fucking years. They still are. They do it all the time. That's funny. Okay, I have to do this stupid story just because there's some good audio. Uh, the House of Representatives kicked uh, Ilhan Omar off the Foreign Affairs panel. Okay. And this is, as the New York Times writes, GOP exacts revenge. Remember, Nancy Pelosi set the tone with this. She did it first. Okay. Yep, they voted 218 to 211 party line vote uh, and to get rid to kick her off the committee. This is revenge for 2021 when the House that was controlled by Democrats stripped representatives Marjorie Taylor Greene and Paul Gosar of their committee assignments for social media posts in which the New York Times writes, quote, they endorsed violence against Democrats, end quote. It was a stupid fucking meme that they retweeted. You know, then but there's they endorse violence, Mister. This is not funny, Mister. That's right. But yeah, and Kevin McCarthy, now Speaker of the House of California, he threatened at the time when they stripped those two of their committee assignments that if his party took the House majority, they would remove Democrats who they saw unfit. For example, last week, you guys remember he kicked off uh, Schiff, Adam Schiff, and Eric Swalwell off the Intelligence Committee. So, hey, payback's a bitch, dude. The only thing, what I didn't like is, there, is they, were, they were trying to say that, oh, this is over past comments about Israel. Just say no, because we can, and because you did. That's the right answer. I mean, honestly, I remember those comments. They weren't that fucking big of a deal. And actually, I'm going to defend Ilhan Omar a little bit. She's one of the very, 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 very few in the House of Representatives who actually questions uh, our troops going overseas and money and weapons. She's one of the few. So even if you hate her, and I understand if you do because she's a fucking Marxist, all that's true. But at least she fucking does bring that up occasionally, which is more than I can say for pretty much everyone else. So I actually don't, I wish she would actually stay on the committee just for that reason. But the fucking over-the-top hysteria, dude. First clip. Here is the resolution passing, and you'll hear the Democrats screaming about this resolution to remove her from the Foreign Affairs Committee. It Listen is to this on adoption of the resolution. Those in favor say aye. aye. Those in favor <laughs> say no. No. It's the opinion of the chair that the ayes have it, and the resolution is agreed to. 
And without objection, the motion to reconsider is laid on the table. Gentleman from Mississippi is recognized. Okay, yes. We asked for... Okay, yeah, they're going to ask for a count because they knew in ahead of time, it sounds alike, right? The yeas and the nays, but they knew ahead of time who was going to vote. So let's start with Alejandria Ocasio-Cortez, who went all black preacher on everybody. Thank let's listen now, to her. As also, as a fellow New Yorker, I think one of the things that we should talk about here is also one of the disgusting legacies after 9-11 has been the targeting and racism against Muslim Americans throughout the United States of America. And this is an extension of that legacy. Consistency, there is nothing consistent with the Republican Party's continued attack except for the racism and incitement of violence against women of color in this body. <laughs> incitement I of violence. I had a member of the Republican caucus threaten my life and you all and the Republican another caucus meme. That was another meme. with one of the most prestigious committee assignments in this Congress. Damn Don't right. tell me this is about consistency. Don't tell me. She's waving her hand. Don't tell me about consistency. Don't tell me. When you have a She's member of the Republican thing. caucus who, have, who has talked about Jewish space lasers and an, an entire amount of tropes and also elevated her to some of the highest committee assignments in this body. This is about targeting women of color in the, in the United States of America. <laughs> Don't tell me because I didn't get a single apology for my life was Thank you. Oh man, AOC is looking good in that clip though. God, she's good looking, man. Yeah, she was totally doing the hand waving, you know, and the preacher has the Bible in one hand, he's waving the hand. Don't tell me. I'll get to the mountaintop. I may not get there with you. See, I should be a I should be a preacher, among many other things I should do. Here's another member of the squad, Representative Cory Bush. Here's more stuff, white supremacy, blah, blah, So let's blah. talk about what's really happening. Republicans are waging a blatantly Islamophobic and racist attack on Congresswoman yes. Omar. Everything I don't and like I've is said racist. Before, I will say it again. The white supremacy happening is unbelievable. <laughs> this is despicable. <laughs> it is Congresswoman Omar, who has been harassed at her job for simply existing as a Muslim woman in Congress. It is she who has been attacked by a member of this body ridiculing her as a potential terrorist for simply existing as a Muslim woman in this Congress. Uh, so care. rather than bring an actual accountability, any accountability to Congress, they bring this offensive resolution to the floor. This is just a bunch of racist gaslighting. Yes, yes. Everything is racist. Of course it is. Uh, and then I have, a, I have another one for you. This is from Rashid Tlaib from fucking Michigan. I don't know what the hell's wrong with she's forgot she's got Detroit in her district. Uh, I, I think she actually breaks down a little bit in this clip. Desperation. So desperate to distract the American people from their total inability to govern. They've been, they've had the house the for like three weeks. Is now doing what it is best at weaponizing hate against a black, beautiful Muslim woman. <laughs> Congresswoman Omar's lived experience. As I don't. A I don't care about her lived experience. I don't. Of war should be welcomed on this committee. It is needed. When you can't pass any bills that actually improve the people's lives, three weeks have been in charge. Congress, they turn Congress into a place of fear-mongering hate. It is so painful to watch. How ironic that the so-called lovers of personal freedom are now moving to censor Congresswoman Omar in the same week. They introduced a bill to ban federal employees from engaging in censorship. Huh? Where are the free speech warriors today? The hypocrisy is obvious to the American people. You are showing who you all are, really. 
The gentlewoman's time has expired. Will not be silent. Yes, yes. You shut up. <laughs> and then with the biggest chutzpah award right here, do you guys remember the name Catherine Clark? If you've been listening to the podcast, you should, but I want to play this clip and then I will explain. This is Catherine Clark, Democrat. Speaker of the House wrote this week that removing Democrats from their committees was motivated by integrity. Integrity? Is that the quality of honesty and acting with moral principle? There is no integrity here. Congresswoman Omar is a committed hard-working and highly valued member of the Foreign Affairs Committee, a refugee and a survivor of war. She knows firsthand how much is at stake in its work. It is too serious of a subject to be subjected to partisan games by the Republican majority, but that's how the GOP has decided to govern, not with solutions, but with political stunts. How can my colleagues across the aisle Talk about integrity and honor as they empower the most extreme voices in their party, as they claim due process has been added in when there is none. Okay, so she talked about extreme voices. Well, here's your answer to my question. Catherine Clark, she's the fucking chick who had the non-binary daughter, Riley, who was arrested for felonious assault on a police officer just like a fucking week ago. <laughs> And she's talking about extremists. That chick. Like, lady, shut up. Take care of your house. Unbelievable. Oh, man. I'm already starting around time. This is ridiculous. Okay, uh, quickly. Let's do a few headlines here. Uh, New York's uh, a uh, North Carolina boy, 14 years old. He died at a rodeo, dude. Just thrown off and stomped by a bull. Fucking hit him right in the chest, dude. Shit's dangerous. That's a sad story. Um... How about this? Prisoners get to get reduced sentences if they donate their organs or bone marrow under a proposed bill in Massachusetts. I absolutely support this. Unless you're like a fucking serial killer or something. Uh, but yes. And this is coming from Democrats. They uh, would create the bone marrow and organ donation program within the state's Department of Correction that would see prisoners lose between 60 days to a year off their sentence. Hmm, that's not much. Now they're uh, worried about ethical concerns. Oh, God. Yes, yeah, some wiener journalist wrote, quote, In essence, the bill would ask prisoners which is more important to them, mister, their freedom or their organs and bone marrow. End quote. Yeah, I bet they'd like their freedom. I think freedom is probably more important. And you don't have to do it. This guy's right. It's such, I can't stand these virtue signalers. He knows perfectly well they don't have to do it. It's not involuntary. But he's already fucking going hysterical on it. I think absolutely we need more fucking owner, organ donors. California is a seven-year list. Of course, we'll never do it out here. Um, a lot of you guys sent me this one. Indiana man died after falling off a cliff in Puerto Rico while shooting a TikTok. Fell off a 70-foot cliff, dude. Edgar Gray's submerged body was recovered on Monday. Uh, he was last seen alive at 5.37 p.m. And Gray's brother, Carlos, told local news he was on the cliff with his cousin who warned him repeatedly not to get too close to the edge while shooting a TikTok video. Yeah, that's what he was trying to do, and he fucking fell right off of it. So, stupid. 
Uh, what else? Man mauled to death by his neighbor's dogs while trying to protect his poodle. This happened in Houston. And officers responded to find the victim on the ground being chewed on one of the dogs. Uh, the victim was described as a 69-year-old man. And they figured out that the victim heard a commotion, walked out the side to see what was happening, and saw that his neighbor's three dogs had gotten through the fence and two of them were attacking his pet poodle. Tried to separate them, but the neighbor's dogs turned on him and got him to the ground. Uh, the victim had not been named yet, but they did say he appears to be physically disabled. They don't know the breed of the dogs. I think we can all fucking figure it out. Uh, and then this one, also a lot of you guys sent me. A woman declared dead found still alive inside a funeral home in, in Iowa. <laughs> uh, this is great. A resident at the uh, local Alzheimer's Center was placed in hospice care, pronounced dead at 6 a.m. on January 3rd by an LPN, licensed practical nurse. Why is an LPN the one who pronounces death? <laughs> that right there, that's a huge red flag. And then a funeral director picks up the woman, thinks she's dead just after 7.30 a.m., so an hour and a half later. Zips the resident up in the bag, drops her body off at a funeral home, and then a funeral home employee reportedly unzips the bag, sees the woman's chest moving, and the woman gasps for air. Dude, talk about, would you shit yourself or what? And then medical workers said they were able to record a pulse. Oh, so the, the LPN didn't even check a pulse? Oh, you look dead. <laughs> she did die less than two days later, but still, this time she had her family at her side at least. Man. Uh, it doesn't, uh, not a lot changes in, uh, policing, whether it's here or Canada. Now we have five Canadian Mounties charged over an indigenous man's death. Five members of Canada's federal police are facing charges in connection with the fatal arrest of an indigenous man, indigenous man nearly six years ago. Dale Culver died 18 July, 2017 at the age of 35. Yeah. These are the Royal Canadian Mounted Police, the Mounties. Two are charged with manslaughter. Three others are charged with obstructing judge, uh, justice. Um, Culver allegedly fled officers on a bicycle. They approached him while responding to a report of a man suspiciously inspecting parked cars. Fight broke out. Pepper spray was used on Culver. He was put in the back of a police vehicle where he appeared to have trouble breathing. Paramedics were called, and he collapsed after being removed from the patrol car. He died in the hospital. So what's the fucking big deal? Hmm. They said that the officers used excessive force. Well, I don't know what these... That, that, that sounds way, way more questionable than the Memphis case. Weird. Uh, right. Uh, oh, guys, okay. Uh, here's another BK is the Oracle yet again story. Remember a few months ago when I talked to you about the ABC News producer that was like missing? He like dropped out of sight and nobody could find him? And I said at the time, I was like, I bet it's child porn related. Well, that's what happened. James Gordon Meek resigned abruptly from his job shortly after federal agents raided his Arlington, Virginia home in April of 2022. Yeah, this was a big deal, dude. Uh, James Meek, they're accusing him of transporting fucking child pornography, joking about child pornography. I mean, it, it's it's... Freaking crazy, dude. He was an ex-ABC news journalist. This guy was a big deal. He's 53 years old, right? 
and he could face the maximum minimum of mandatory minimum of five years in prison and get a maximum of 20 years in prison. And I remember this because he resigned and then he went missing. And I was like, I bet you. And they, oh, and I uh, said, because they had raided his house. That was out. And I was like, oh, it's child. It's got to be child porn. Everybody else was saying, oh, this is probably national security. I was like, nah, child porn, dude. Yeah. Dropbox filed a tip with the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children, claiming a user uploaded videos with its service that were later confirmed to contain child pornography. And they recovered an external hard drive of the suspect with 58 images and videos of child pornography and found more shit in his bedroom. Uh, sadly, this fucking story is too delicate to get to the story that I wanted to do. Uh, the, because this, the original tab I had in is uh, members only, which I didn't know. Uh, I want to get to this quote because he was chatting with other child porn fans. Oh, fuck. Yeah, they don't have it. I'm going to have to paraphrase it. I'll try one more time. Boy, the fucking this is why our this is why our shitty media is so terrible cuz they want to hide everything. They don't want you to know how horrible. They just say like, "Oh, arrested for child exploitation." And they don't tell you anything, right? Because it's too dirty. They don't give you the details. Yep, here's another one from fucking NBC Washington won't say it. Uh Insider won't say it. NBC News won't say it. Let's see if the fucking... I tried to... The Rolling Stone article I wanted said it, but it was making me log in and I don't have it. Um, okay. Well, obviously, none of the... Me nobody else in the media, but what it said, I'm paraphrasing, he, he was chatting with somebody and he's like, dude, have you ever raped an infant? I have, and it was awesome. Something like that. Something just completely fucking grotesque and horrifying. So this guy was like fucking hardcore into it. Okay, another important update. I know you guys doubted me. I had a lot of messages and you guys were like, dude, that trout video is bullshit. The Austria, the big finish of last week, the chick who was getting banged by her partner, her partner was fucking her vagina while holding a trout. And you guys are like, that's not real. I got some, I got some of your messages. Well, guess what? It was real. And thank you to my listener who, by the way, sent me the complete uncut video, which I would love to post. I would get kicked off Instagram immediately. It's extremely graphic. Uh, and, and also difference between genders here. All you women reacted with horror when I put that up on my story yesterday. And like, I had like a dozen of you guys say, dude, that's gross. Send me that video. <laughs> I know I'd want to see it too. Well, they have made arrests. So yes, it's real. The 57 year old woman, and the 54 year old man, both from Tasmania have been charged with bestiality offenses and an offense related to prohibitive activities in the cemetery. Thankfully, BK's tentacles spread everywhere, and one of you guys sent me the cemetery video as well. <laughs> These people like to film everything. You see this chick just naked lay down on some poor fuck's gravestone, and her partner just rails her out, like right on top of it, like showing his dick, and it's very graphic, and she's fat and gross and old, and it's, it's not good. So that's what the prohibited activities in the cemetery are what, but yes... They will appear at the Hobart Magistrate's Court. And uh, this chick's a freak, dude. Yeah, he, this video, man, I'm telling I already sent it to a few of my boys, my contractor buddies. That's <laughs> great. And speaking of fish, how about this CNN story? 
pet fish playing a video game in Japan managed to log on to a new, the Nintendo Switch store, change their owner's avatar, set up a PayPal account, and rack up a credit card bill. And this was all seemingly live streamed in real time. Now I'm open to the possibility that this was edited, but CNN thought it was real enough to run an article on it. So what the hell? So are these, yeah, these are real fish. The fish in question belonged to a YouTuber known as Mutu Kimura, whose channel is popular with the gaming community for its videos featuring groups of Tetra fish that quote, play and quote video games. So, he had previously installed sophisticated motion detection tracking software in fish tanks. This enables the fish to remotely control a Nintendo Switch console. But while he was live streaming a game of Pokemon, he stepped away for a break. The game crashed and the console returned to the home screen. But the fish carried on swimming and seemingly continued to control the console remotely from their tank. During the next seven hours, they reportedly managed to change the name of their owner's Switch account before twice logging into the Nintendo store where users can purchase games and shit. They also managed to check the box that is the legal terms and conditions. They downloaded a new avatar and even set up a PayPal account from the Nintendo Switch. And then they were seen adding $4 to Mutkamura's Switch account from his credit card. <laughs> this is... That's crazy. Nintendo declined to comment to CNN, but this did go viral. Fucking fish, dude. Not high on the animal hierarchy. Almost no fish are, except for the very, very large ones. And even them, not really. All right. Uh, quickly, do you guys see the migrants who are they're trying to get kick out of the $450 a night hotels in Manhattan? Yeah, and they wanted to send them to a shelter, and all the left-wing activists got involved, and they told these fucking illegal immigrants to not go. Yeah, that's right. They were protesting the decision by camping outside of their $450 a night hotel instead of moving to the migrant shelter in Brooklyn. Uh, they said it was too cold in the shelter and the, f and the beds were hard. And they, this is after New York taxpayers have spent millions and millions of dollars on this. And these fucking activists get out there with their umbrellas because they're trying to f f prevent you from filming. And... Yeah, they also argued that Mayor Eric Adams and New York Governor Kathy Hochul should give the illegal aliens access to the apartments in the area around the Watson Hotel known as Billionaire's Row. Are you tired of this yet? Unbelievable. This activist, another guy, white guy named Philip. Yeah, he said, these migrants have been through so much to survive to reach the country. Fuck you, dude. Nobody told them to come, and we did not invite them. I'm tired of these people. Unreal. And then, and then he he the, the same activist. He said, "I think there's an image of the United States abroad that I think that's projected. If you are poor while working class, if you are a minority in any way in this country, I don't think that dream was never really designed for you. That horrible grammar. And so, why the fuck did you come here then?" Philip doesn't know. He's just assuming. All these, these are all activists behind all this shit all the time. Yeah. Anyway, they ended up clearing it out eventually. <clears throat> uh, speaking of the migrants, Department of Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas was questioned on MSNBC. 
You know, we've had 1.1 million gotaways alone. That means my illegal immigrants that have crossed over that we've picked up on sensors or video or whatever, and they never found them. At least 1.1 million. So they decided to ask uh, Mayorkas, who the Republicans have promised to impeach, and they should. Let's have to hear this one. Some of one. the criticism includes, for example, the 600,000 plus getaways, folks who came into this country. And it's did actually 1.1 million. The process of requesting asylum. So do you know where they are no. and, and who they are, the people that don't get, don't request asylum when they arrive here? So the, for the first time since 2011, the president of the United States presented a budget successfully that increased the number of border patrol agents for the first not the time question this year it's not my question why don't you break in MSNBC reporter uh, eligibility positions than we did in the past it's not what I asked you tremendous strides we are See, devoting just resources yeah, to blah, enhance blah, our border blah, security blah, blah. and we will keep at it these reporters do you know where they are and who they are oh there you go so gotaways have been a challenge from year to year regardless of the administration whether it's more than a million in the early part uh, of this department's administration or it's hundreds of thousands over the ensuing years but what we are doing is we are dedicating people to do what physical assets and an increasing reliance and use of innovative technology that technology is nothing our visibility okay. and our interdiction He's capabilities. so stupid okay let me stop there the technology does nothing like i've told you all it does is show you all of them, and then once they're in the country, you have to go through enormous logistical and legal headaches to remove them because the activists and judges have set it up that way. Notice how he doesn't ask them, well, are you going to go after them? If you find them, are you going to deport them? No questions like that, of course. All right. Uh, God, I'm already... I'm almost out of time. I quickly... Oh, man. Which audio clip do I just have to play here? Oh, man, I'm almost out of time. I know I'm, I'm going over. Uh, let's play this. I want to play a clip from Gavin Newsom. Well, let me play first uh, Kamala Harris describing uh, what's she doing in this. Uh, she's explaining how a spaceship takes off. She's always good for a Which laugh. Which brings me to May 30th, 2020. Bob and Doug returned to the Kennedy Space Center. They suited up. They waved to their families. And they rode an elevator up nearly 20 stories. Wow. They strapped in to their seats and waited as the tanks beneath them filled with tens of thousands of gallons of fuel. And then they launched. Yeah, they did. <laughs> she starts to crack up and nobody laughs. Which brings me to May 30th. Okay, let me stop. So she's all smiling like, they did. And she like laughs and like grins. And then everybody in the audience is like, okay. And she's like, and then one person finally laughs. That's funny. Uh, let me play Gavin Newsom. He's, uh, he's very upset that a Fresno district attorney is uh, criticizing him because the uh, local prosecutor is calling him arrogant. And this happened after this week's fatal shooting of yet another police officer, Selma police officer, Gonzalo Carrasco. And District Attorney Lisa Smitkamp is blaming the state's prison uh, policies because we've decided we don't want anybody let into the, into the uh, we don't want anybody in jail anymore. 
Uh, his alleged killer is a convicted felon named Nathaniel Dixon, 23 years old. He was freed after serving only six months of a five-year sentence. Yeah, that's right. So uh, she said in an initial press conference that uh, Newsom is the biggest proponent of the early, early release of criminals and enhanced time credit for inmates and in regulation, allowing accelerated time credits to be arbitrarily assigned to inmates when they're sentenced to prison. Now, I want you to keep that in mind. Because you'll hear Newsom go after her for saying, well, if you wanted him to go to prison for five years, why didn't you charge him for five years? Once they are out of the DA's control, the California state of prisons can do basically whatever they want. They can give these time offers. And he knows that, but he's going to blame the prosecutor because he's trying to run for president. So after she said this, he went after her at a press conference. Let's listen. She should blame herself. I've been listening to this for years from her. She has the prosecutorial discretion. Ask her what she did in terms of prosecuting that case. I'm sick and tired of being lectured by her on public safety. Mm. Sick and mm. tired. See a journalist agreeing. So with all due respect to her statement, she should be ashamed of herself and she look in the mirror. This is all about Assembly Bill 109. I don't have time to get into it right now, but Google it. It's fucking a complete disgrace. And then here's Gavin Newsom explaining that we should not ask the vagrants to be clean and sober. Okay? That's too hard. Let's listen to this. Clean and sober is one of the biggest damn mistakes this country's ever made. I know it's a hold-your-hand idealistic point of view that somehow magically, I mean, God bless some of you. I, if you're like me, I've been known to have a glass of wine at night watching some of the nightly news. Uh, we all <laughs> need to self-medicate periodically. Okay, yeah, that's fine. Self-medicate periodically, but if you're living on the sidewalk and you are defecating and urinating and masturbating at the same time, I don't feel I have to pay for it. Jesus, he's so lame. I have a glass of wine while watching the news. Shut up. God. Wait till he runs for president. You guys are going to get a good laugh out of that. Because he talks like a some egghead. He's the biggest dork. All right. Um, and then do I have... Uh, I have a bunch of other clips, but... Let me just, I only have time to do one. Where's this white woman one? I wanted to play that. Let me quickly scroll through my fucking clips here. <laughs> trying, to, trying to find it. Uh, oh, here, here it is. Here it is, here it is, here it is. A white woman, this is titled, White Woman Claims That White Supremacy Is to Blame for Tyree Nichols' Death. All right, let's listen to it. Here we go. I got a message today for some white people. If we yes. have white people. That's me. I'm here. Listening, paying attention. I wouldn't. I'm listening. You would do this with me. We rub our chests. Okay. We rub find my our heartbeat. She's beating her chest. I got my and heartbeat. We say we did this. We. We did this. We. Hmm. I did. She's looking very sad. White supremacy did this. <laughs> I'm talking about Tyree Nichols. Police didn't do this. No, they did. They did it, actually. The Memphis Police Department didn't do this. No, they White did. White supremacy did this. No. Okay. You know, I would love just once for these white liberals... Please, I will take you into the neighborhood myself. I'll drop you off, and I'll be like, just walk around for a while. Obviously, they've never been to a high-crime neighborhood, and they would never do that. Even if that, even if I gave them a ride, they will never do it. And they think, what? They think you're gonna what? Send out what? Social workers to patrol the area? It's fucking laughable. And now they're going after this police unit, the Scorpion team or whatever. I didn't have time to get into it, but now they're going after them, saying, yeah, they were very intimidating. 
Like, you have a neighborhood full of fucking violent gangbangers. Who do you think has to police a place like that? Now, those guys took it way too far. As I said last week, they should have just kicked his feet out from under him, put him on the ground, put him in cuffs, throw him in the car, book him. If you're going to do that, right? You don't stand a guy up and just beat him in the face repeatedly over and over again just for the shits and giggles. So they obviously took it too far. But these violent, air quotes, police units... They're in these neighborhoods all over the country because who the fuck else is going to do it? You're going to send some five-foot-tall, obese female cop to walk the beat down there? Of course you're not. You're going to take your biggest, fucking toughest dudes and you're going to send them down there. Stupid. Um, quickly, ladies, somebody sent me this right before the podcast. Uh, New York Times has a, a, a section called Wire Cutter. They rate the best of stuff. And I'm pleased to tell you they rated the best vibrators. This is the New York Times, okay? They put in hours and hours of research on this, and they are here to say that their pick for the best vibrator is the Magic Wand Rechargeable. That's right. It's been around a long time. It's a favorite of sex toy enthusiasts for 50-plus years. Uh, They say it gives uh, good clitoral stimulation, and it was almost always guaranteed to induce an orgasm when others could not. Now, the Magic Wand Vibrator is twice as expensive as the original model, but it's easy to clean silicone head, rechargeable battery, quieter motor, and greater variation in intensity and vibration makes it worth the cost. The runner-up was the Magic Wand Plus. Similar features, but unlike the Magic Wand Rechargeable, is corded. It is not cordless. Ladies, don't ever think that World News with BK is not here for you. There you go. All right, some headlines starting to run out. Uh, Boy playing hide-and-go-seek found in another country six days later. This is a great story. 15-year-old boy from Bangladesh accidentally locked himself inside a shipping container during a game of hide-and-seek. And he hid inside the container and he fell asleep. And then uh, he woke up in Malaysia. Six days later. How did he fucking live, dude? Yeah, he was totally dehydrated and starved. Did you guys ever watch that show Silicon Valley on HBO? It reminds me of that. Remember when Jared, the fucking the the, the business guy, he, he drives his self-driving car drives him into a shipping container and then they close the door behind him and the shipping container like takes off and gets loaded and he's like gone for a week. That's <laughs> uh, good times. All right. Man allegedly killed girlfriend and her friend after finding them engaging in a sex act. Yeah, 48-year-old Richard Sotka has been accused of fatally stabbing his girlfriend and her friend. Yes, officers responded. They found two women ages 58 and 53 deceased. And they say that Sotka admitted killing the women and said he was humiliated after finding his girlfriend and her friend in the middle of a sexual act. Sotka told the police that the women asked him to leave. Oh, he couldn't because of a GPS monitor he had to wear as part of a stalking and restraining order violation charge out of a different county, and he lost it. (laughs) Was this scissoring? I was going to say, like, dude, why don't you just say, like, hey, mind if I join in or whatever, but apparently they didn't want him there. The Dances with Wolves actor, the cult guy, he was arrested. Did you see this story? Nathan Lee chasing his horse. 
who goes by Nathan Chasing Horse, was taken into custody in North Las Vegas, where he is said to share a home with his five wives. If you didn't know, he played the tribe member Smiles a lot in the Oscar-winning Kevin Costner film. He was a kid at the time. And he gained a reputation among tribes in the U.S. and Canada as a so-called medicine man who performed healing ceremonies. And he used his position to abuse young Native American girls. Las Vegas police have identified at least six alleged victims and uncovered sexual allegations against chasing horse dating through the early 2000s in multiple states. See, what do I always tell you about these guys, these medicine men, these healers, these cult leaders? They do it to get sex. They always have and they always will. Always. (laughs) You can engrave that. Oh, another quick update. You remember the radioactive castle lost in Australia? I told you about that last week. They found it. Yeah, it was smaller than a penny. But the search took just six days. They used the fucking ar- the military to do this. It was only 0.3 inches by 0.2 inches. They had the small amount of cesium-137 that makes it dangerously radioactive. And it was lost after it vibrated off that truck. And it was discovered after a vehicle equipped with radiation detection equipment picked up a signal. So, good job. Uh, one more time, back to Pakistan. Yeah, they had a bus plunge that killed at least 40. <laughs> I said, told you it was a tough week, man. Yep. It was traveling overnight, and it fell down. Uh, it crashed into a pillar of, pillar of a bridge and then fell into a ravine below, caught fire. And killed at least 40 people. But that's not the only bus accident. There were six people killed in a bus accident in upstate New York. A tour bus crashed head-on with a freight truck. I don't like anybody driving but me, honestly. This happened at 6 a.m. As many as 15 people were on the bus. It's like one of those, uh, it's like a shuttle bus. It's not like a full-sized bus, like a box. Like It's almost like a, one of those boxy buses that people use to go to like the VA, shit like that. And then yet another bus story. A Peru bus plunged off a cliff, and that killed at least 24 people. Never taking the bus again, dude. At least 24 people. This story is from January 28th, so the death toll could have risen. A bus was carrying 60 passengers, uh, and it happened uh, early in the morning. And they said this bus appeared to have an up-to-date safety inspection and everything else. Um In 2021, 29 people died when a bus fell off a highway in the Andes Mountains. Okay. A Moab jail guard charged with recording, distributing inappropriate security footage of an inmate. Hmm. That is in Utah. He has resigned. And apparently this was a mentally disabled inmate. And... Um, the footage reportedly showed a, quote, mentally deficient adult male, end quote, who was incarcerated at the jail in Moab, pleasuring himself while nude. So he took a picture, sent it to his buddy. That's funny, right? I think we can all agree. And uh, he's resigned. I wouldn't resign. What's the guy in there for? He doesn't even say. See? Probably did some horrible crime. Uh, Another prison story. You guys remember Gary Glitter? 
He has been released from prison. Remember, he's the famous glam rock singer with the big song, na 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 na, hey, na 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 na, hey, that they used to play in the NBA games and shit, like all the time, constantly. He was found guilty in 2015 of sexually abusing three young girls in the 70s. He had been given a 16-year sentence, but now he's been released. His real name is Paul Gad. He will be fitted with a G GPS tag. He's 78 years old. And he had a string of hits, they call it. But that's that, that song that I just sang was called Rock and Roll Part 2. That's the only one I ever heard of him. He was arrested in 2012 as part of an inquiry to set up to investigate the accusations of sexual abuse against that longtime BBC host, Jimmy Seville. Remember that guy? Dude, if you Googled pedo in the dictionary, Jimmy Seville's face would come up. And everybody just looked the other way because they thought he was funny for decades. That's That was our parents' generation. They thought it was like no big deal. <laughs> they really did, dude. I hate to say it, but they thought it was no big deal. They were like, oh, that's just Jim being Jim. You know how he likes to pat little girls' breasts. <laughs> Isn't that funny? Yep. Uh, quickly. Uh, Harry Reid Airport Worker in Harry Reid International Airport. This is the Vegas International Airport. He was arrested recently for allegedly performing a lewd act. He had been previously arrested on a similar charge. This happened on December 19th, just coming out. During the incident, the suspect, identified as Lazarek Hampton, was lying on the floor in a D-gate bathroom stall engaged in a sex act. At the same time, he was aiming his cell phone camera at the man in the neighboring stall. When the man noticed him, the victim yelled out at him, quote, What are you doing? End quote. He drops his cell phone keys and his ID card on the floor and fled. <laughs> Uh, yep. Just fucking jacking it as he stared at a guy breaking out of shit. Wet shit at the shitter next to you. That's hot, right? And guys, finally, that's it. I am out of time. I don't even have time to get to my bad doctor stories. I've got some bad doctors, too. Let's go to Wisconsin. Oh, are you kidding me? Mm-hmm. Yeah, my Wisconsin page, my Wisconsin uh, story also just fucking took a shit as well. Uh, let me see if I can get to it. Wisconsin man charged with child exploitation and indecency. Basically, the story is, and I'll get it another big finish in a moment, but the story was um, they were arresting him with child exploitation, and they searched his phone, and um, they found not only walking up to children. He was recording himself doing this. He walked up to a child whose back was turned with his genitals exposed, right? But then when they fucking searched his phone, they found him, quote, engaging in mutual masturbatory behavior, end quote, with, yes, a dog. So help me out here, guys. The dog, you call this mutual masturbatory behavior? That must have been like a misprint by the paper. But basically, yes, the cops found video of the Madison man, the Wisconsin man, uh, pleasuring the dog and presumably pleasuring himself along with the dog. So masturbatory behavior was the big uh, sticking point in that. So that's fucking exciting. And then um, 
yeah, so that was that was one big finish. And then also, let's just throw this one in there since that story got ruined by the blockage. Let's go to the gas station story. Mount Pleasant 7-Eleven, Mount Pleasant, South Carolina. An employee at a gas station in Mount Pleasant, South Carolina is facing charges after he was found pleasuring himself on a bucket outside of the business. In case you guys are in the area, this is a 7-Eleven located on 3930 North Highway 17. Cops responded for reports of a man exposing himself. A witness said he stopped at the gas station after picking up his child from school. Moments after the arrival, the child said, quote, Dad, some guy is masturbating behind the building, end quote. The witness drove by the back of the building and saw an employee later identified as 20-year-old Simaj Mack seated on a bucket with his pants down. The witness spoke with the manager. The two confronted Mack, who quickly stood up, pulled up his pants, began to apologize. Officers interviewed the suspect, who the reporter was noticeably nervous. Mack initially stated he had to use the restroom but too many customers were going in and out of the gas station's bathroom, so he decided to pee outside. Max said that, there's a great detail. Max said while he was peeing, he began to smoke marijuana and that some ash fell and, quote, landed on the tip of his penis, end quote. The suspect told officers that he was checking himself for injuries. <laughs> That's a good one. You guys know I love stories where they try to explain what they were doing instead of jacking off. When police told him they didn't believe him, Mac began to cry and admitted that he was masturbating. He apologized and said he didn't know why he did it. Mac! Boob! What do I tell you guys? If you're going to do it, don't pull your pants all the way down and sit on the bucket. If, if you want that story to work, first of all, prepare the story ahead of time, okay? Be like, okay, I'm, if anybody sees me, I'm just going to say my fucking blunt ash hit the tip of my dick, and that's what I was checking. But then make it believable. Like, have your back, have your pants, maybe pull the penis out of the dick hole in the pants. Don't take your pants all the way down. How many times do I have to tell you, guys, the iPad is gone. That's all I got for you. I'm spent here. That's two and a half hours, no breaks, no editing. Unbelievable. The steel trap mine guy, I feel it's getting even more steel trappy as the months go on, the years go on. This is gonna be this is gonna be year seven of the podcast. Yeah, like what, July 2016, something like that I started in. So we're coming up on seven fucking years. And if you guys appreciate all seven years. I'd really love if you go to patreon.com, search for BK Actual. My my uh, patron count, by the way, has dropped back to, to just over 600. As I predicted, I lost like 20 patrons. It happens, but that's why I need you to go to patreon.com, type in BK Actual, consider making a donation to the podcast. I'm a little behind on my correspondence with those of you who have. I apologize. I will get to you. I respond to everyone who offers up a pledge, and I appreciate it so much. It's how I keep the podcast going without any ads or any of that other bullshit. So patreon.com, BKActual. Check out that Twitter, at BravoKiloActual, and my Instagram at BKActual. Guys, that's all I got for you. I'll see you next week.